Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You feeling comfortable yet? This is a good warm-up. This is a good warm-up. <laughs> well, typically, what we typically do is once we get people in here is we'll just start <clears> talking <throat> like we're doing right now, and then at some point, Freddie will start recording. <laughs> it's happened. <Without laughs> it's happened. That part already happened. Yeah, because we like, to, we like to put a little bit we're of We're not the, live, though, so don't. That's fine. We like to, I can we, edit whatever can, I want. We like to put thing. a little bit of the pre-podcast out there because usually it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll... Uh, record a little bit just to kind of get people talking into the mic feeling good with the headsets on and i will tell you that this is the what the sixth one we've done yeah dang it sigh hey sigh guy but uh but a lot of times like this is the sixth time i've done this he got or, a peanut mm-hmm. butter metal way <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I can tell you've done this before yeah He's so you're a skilled interviewer yeah but the first the first couple times you do it <laughs> The first couple times you do it, it's super awkward to talk into a uh, microphone with the headset on. It, I can confirm that. But then I, I like hearing myself talk. That's ju- it's the only reason we started this. I can confirm that, too. <laughs> What's that? Well, everybody said they can <laughs> confirm it. Yeah. That he likes hearing himself talk. Oh, 100%. <laughs> All right. So, Dan, um, do you want to get the intro music going? <laughs> I actually have been Should working on intro, intro music. So, I have an app that can play. I paid for all these sounds and music that we i do all the overlays on for our, like instagram videos oh yeah. so i was recording one into the microphone <clears throat> so that way i can put it on top and do like an intro into it that fades so we're gonna see if that'll work right, just so right, no, you guys will, ready he will not edit anything <laughs> no yeah. uh there's maybe there's a few seconds in the I'm just ripping <clears throat> ripping into some people all right all right guys welcome to the you don't know squat podcast episode number six i am freddie dorman owner and operator of dorman sports performance in iron luck crossfit uh co-hosted today mr zach hallman say hello 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 zach and then joining us today we have two very special guests uh miss taylor edmonston hi, hi taylor hey. physical therapist and also daniel replogle it's, it's actually danny is it Danny? Is that yeah, like your my, actual name? That's my actual name. Really? It's not that's, Daniel? That's what I signed. Yep. Oh, man. It's actually Danny. I'm going to have to cut that out. I'm done. <laughs> All right, guys. So I am the lone man here that's not a physical therapist, so I'm going to be doing a lot of learning today. Probably not as much speaking, which is probably everybody's super, super pumped about. So Doubtful. Da- <laughs> yeah, that's true. Probably be speaking. I, uh, over, under five shout outs today, Zach. Over. Over? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So welcome, guys. I uh, appreciate you guys coming on. Oh yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. So, so bi- the thing we wanted to do for this podcast, and we think it's a great idea. As you know, I am the physical therapist in in inside the lobby of home or Dorman Sports Performance. Uh, we have a pretty niche practice going on here, where we have um, where the the area's first cash physical therapy clinic, which uh, we can get into all the details you want to know about that. But ultimately, my goal as a therapist, so I. I came from a big box place where I learned a lot. I uh, learned how to be a business person. I learned how to be a good clinician and be very efficient. Um, and it just got to the point where I felt like I outgrew that and it was time to try to be a specialist. So I have my orthopedic clinical specialist and I want to be the guy that if you're coming to see me or coming to see me. Um, 
So I got into this place here at Dorman Sports Performance, uh, Hallman Physical Therapy in the lobby, and then I just started looking outside of the box. I've, I haven't been here quite a year. I started seeing patients in April. Yeah. Uh, so I'm real close you're, to that. You're right. You're on the cusp of yeah. being a year into your own thing. That and, really flew. And I never thought it's it It's crazy would, how fast it's been. Yeah. I, I never thought it would be this busy. So I, I planned on seeing three people a month. Um, that was my hope. And now there's some weeks where I'm seeing five, six, seven people a day, which is which is awesome. That's exactly what I want. And, and with the direction that healthcare is going, and we have a lot to talk about there, I think that cash concierge medicine is the future of healthcare. And I think that we might be a couple years ahead of ourselves right now, but I think in the future, um, as it gets overcrowded and whatnot, I think that people are going to be looking for that one-on-one care and maybe being a little bit more efficient with their care. So I started looking outside of the box. And I said, how can how can I be the person in, in the area, um, in Blair County, that is the place where people want to go see? Um, so I started saying, okay, Dan Replogle. Um, Dan is McKenzie Therapy certified. Uh, he's MDT cert um, or cert MDT, either cert way. MDT. Um, Get it right. He's, yeah. he's also SFMA <clears throat> certified. And then Taylor has a huge interest in women's health. Taylor has a background in pediatric therapy. Um, so she gets to interact with a lot of mothers and, and kiddos and that kind of stuff. So. Which I'm really interested about the women's health just yeah. from our business standpoint because we we're predominantly female in the gym. So I'm sure. super excited to learn more about that. So, so I kind of headhunted and went after these guys. And, and now there's a uh, – in the future there could be a neural neurological component, but that's, that's in the future. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, we're – quickly growing um to the point where we might need to get a bigger space here but we'll see we'll see if we can there's make room it. right on this wall yeah we'll see if we can make it work yeah. um but i i digest um <laughs> oh that's, you did just eat <laughs> no i didn't digress i know i know but i just make it sure because you said that very convincingly yeah so i'm an ass so uh, i don't care which way we go um well i know that we have a lot of questions about women's health and stuff like that. We're yeah. going to jump into physical therapy and how it can help. But Dan, why don't you kind of give us a little background, background a little bio of, of physical therapy? He's from Nor Bedford. <laughs> from myself, physical therapy started in, in <laughs> 1723. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I uh, went to high school at Northern Bedford. I don't know if we don't go back that far, but um, I was hoping I, we were I, talking about like when you were born and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it all started on a cold winter <laughs> night. <laughs> no, so, you know, when I when I was in undergrad, I was in kinesiology. Um, didn't really know where I, I wanted to go from there. And I remember one of my advisors telling me that, um, you know, to, I wanted to like personal training and exercise science. And, and an advisor had told me, well, you know, some, some guy who's bigger than you could go into a gym and, and get a job over you, even though you have a bachelor's degree. So I, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something more than – the exercise science and and do a little more for people who are in pain or, or having trouble moving because I didn't have the answers when people would ask me, you know, what do I do when this hurts? So now Taylor, do you have a background in exercise science as well? I'm athletic training. Athletic <coughs> training. Mm-hmm. Do you still have? Are you still certified? No. A lot of people kind of let that go as they get new licenses and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Why would you? Sorry, I don't want to. No, no. But like, you don't need to keep it at, at mean, a certain point. I mean, you could keep it. It depends if you could continue to work as an athletic trainer. Right. Athletic training is a very proud profession. Yeah. Uh, that's what my wife did for a number of years, and she had a really hard time letting it go. Unfortunately, the money's not too great, and the hours are pretty poor. Yeah, yeah. the but hours you, are tough. But you get to work with a lot of really cool kids, and you get to be on the sports teams. But at the same time, you start hitting that like 
25, 26 years old and it's Friday night and you're freezing your butt off at a high school football game and you kind of say, yeah, you know, this, is this, this is, worth the money? yeah, this is, this is tough, but I'll tell you what, um, there are a few athletic trainers in this area. Um, the, the guy out of Tyrone, uh, Dave Bokulich, uh, Jesse Glass, they're, they're, and there's, there's too many to mention. There's really good athletic trainers in this area, but those two are some of the two, mm-hmm. two of the smartest people I know. Yeah. Um, I don't think people realize the knowledge that athletic trainers have. It's, it's yeah. such an overlooked profession. <laughs> it it's, is. it's, uh, and it's, they can't get reimbursed by insurance. Mm-hmm. So whenever they come into a clinic, they're, they're glorified help. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's really unfortunate. Well, Jesse worked at the tech for a while, even yeah. though he was an that's athletic trainer. Yeah, they, 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 they have to. to. Work as techs, yep. yeah. But it's really unfortunate because those, uh, there's a lot of really good athletic trainers who are mm-hmm. super intelligent and good at what they do. And it, there's there's no better help than whenever they show up to a clinic. Um, a lot of times we're just extensions of them whenever it comes to a sports. Hey, I can't. I, I don't have time to do this because I have five different sports teams going right now. Yeah. Or uh, whenever they show up in front of you, it's kind of it's great to have an athletic trainer that says, "Hey, Zach, this is what I this is what I think is going on." My sister works at Penn State Altoona. She's a coach down there. They have another good one with Jess Pizzito, mm-hmm. not Despizito. Yep. Um, <laughs> Bieber, Justin Bieber. But, but, yeah, I mean, they're irreplaceable, but sometimes it gets you to the point where you say, okay, how can I get better concrete <laughs> hours, you know? Yeah. So that's where the athletic tra- – I, I think Allie's going to let her athletic training license go whenever she becomes an athletic – I mean, when she becomes a nurse. It's kind of up in the air just because she enjoys that part. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a rewarding job. It's just a tough job. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to get into <clears throat> PT, too. It's a great background having that rehab background because mm-hmm. yeah. having an exercise sure. science background going into PT school – I felt a, a little behind compared to people who went athletic training because they already kind of had that. So much more anatomy. There's, I just feel like. Just, yeah, just de- de- they've already been dealing with injured people at yeah. that point and, and had that experience. And they're so probably in a clinic setting too, <laughs> exactly. so like it's not as intimidating. They have a lot more experience to, to kind of, for, for context, whenever yeah. they're learning. So that. where did you go to undergrad? Well, so make sure if you're listening to this, which as we say every podcast, there's probably not many people listening to this. All five uh, of you. <laughs> yeah, all five of you. There's four in this all room. All four of us, I know. Yeah. Our well, this is the first time Taylor's listened to it. I not true. <laughs> uh, but make sure if you if you're a high school s- athlete or if you're a parent of a high school athlete, make sure you hug your athletic yeah, trainer when you see them. Yeah, yeah, because they bust their ass for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, I guess back to Dan's boring story. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I went exercise science at Slipper Rock. Decided to stay for physical therapy. And, the uh, rock. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then I worked at a hospital for setting for a couple years, and then did outpatients for eight years, where I did most of my. Uh, training at courses, and I, I can say I probably use uh, you know ninety percent of what I do is what I've learned at the courses. You know, because mm-hmm. thing, things change all the time since PT school. So it's always you know, evolving. It's, yeah, you got to stay up to date on, and they, they definitely changed a lot. I mean, I I don't think there's anything I, I learned in PT school that I necessarily still do today. Uh, but that's you know that's just that's part of it, and and uh, I've I've learned to to love it, and um, so that's why I do what I do. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. That's a solid background there, Danny. Yeah, Danny. Not Daniel. Yeah, D-Reps. And then what about you, Taylor? Where Um, are you you from? My bedroom. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Do do you know the story? What? Yes. So I grew up. Could you, like, preface that before you say, where are you from? Yeah, I grew grew up. uh, I used to live at 430 Maple Avenue in Altoona, which is um, the house that is literally the yard is attached to Mike's Court. Yeah. Uh, Well, Taylor is Mike Luciano's stepdaughter. So Taylor, so when we moved out of our house and we went up to where we live, where my parents live now, 
Taylor actually, her family actually bought my house. So, oh. so and Taylor then tore down the fence. Yeah. The bar and the house. Tearing down <laughs> fences. Yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, I'm glad I that story ended this way and not the way I thought it was going to end. Room and, uh, yeah, so she moved in my room and she liked it because it was the green room. It was green. It was, it was disgusting. It was the color of Ninja With Turtles. Spiky walls. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I had to live like the like crow's feet walls. Yes. Really? How many times you cut yourself in those walls? Oh, you could scratch your back really great on that. I'll, fu- <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story unrelated to PT. I just told the story the other day. I used to have an arrowhead. Um, Did arrowhead, you find it? Arrowhead necklace. No, I bought it at Fort Riverdale. Yeah, Everybody it's not real. Had one of those. Yeah. Shark teeth or arrowhead. Yeah, and my, my dad had these. He used to be, he used to fish. So we, he had this knife, and it, he would always, he actually sharpened knives. It was super sharp. And, uh, I used to steal his knives and play with them. And then one day I opened the bottle opener. You know how knives have like the lever that you have to push to close? Mm-hmm. Well, I was trying to push this knife down as hard as I could and I couldn't get it. And I snapped the bottle opener on my finger and cut it open to the point of like needing stitches. And I took the knife and I threw it in my trash can underneath the trash bag because I didn't want to lose my dad's knife. And I ran down crying to my parents and I said, I was playing with my arrowhead necklace <laughs> and I cut my finger. And my parents were like, your arrowhead necklace. And I said, yeah, it's sharp. <laughs> and uh, they walked upstairs. There's literally a trail of blood from my bed <laughs> to the trash can. And they pulled out the knife. And I was like, how did that get in there? <laughs> Who put that Why knife in there? Why is there blood on this? Yeah. It's the so, Hallman tapes. So needless to say, I got uh, I got grounded for that. But uh, but anyway, I oh. digest. And you were in your 20s at the when this <laughs> <laughs> This was actually last week. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah. Good story, Zach. Yeah. So my blood is in, was in Taylor's bedroom. <laughs> Oh Jesus! Oh my gosh! Okay, let's so, let's get past this. <laughs> so yeah, so Taylor, what did uh, so how did you uh, start your PT journey? She couldn't so, get into Pitt, so she went to West Virginia. Terrible. <laughs> Go I didn't know your your WVU. I know Josh was. I'm a Mountaineer. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, I actually started at Penn State oh. out of high school. Me too. Hated it. I hated it. At least we have that in common. Um, so <laughs> I was there for a semester. Actually, it was going to take me five years to get my athletic training degree there. That's what, I don't know how or why, but so I ended up transferring to WVU, which so happens to be where Josh was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I knew that. Got into athletic training. Uh, I've always seen his West Virginia hats. I was always just assumed. Yeah, I knew oh, he no, went. Yeah, I didn't know we you were went. There to, yeah, we were there together. Um, that was an awesome experience. Super cool because I got to go, like, travel with the teams. It was really cool. Um, graduated in 2010, got a job at Dreher. Oh, really? Of, yeah, out of Roaring Spring, and I worked as the athletic trainer for Central out there for a, a year. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know either. Yep, so cool. I worked out there. I did clinic hours as a tech and then mm-hmm. did the athletic training at night. Decided that's not the way I wanted to work because I eventually wanted to have a family. And so then I went to PT school the next year at Shenandoah. Oh, I, didn't, I don't think I knew that either. Yep. You went to Shenandoah. Yep. You worked with Chris Sipes. I worked with Chris. Chris is a good dude. Yeah, yep. like Chris a lot. Chris yep. is a great guy. Yeah. Um, Chris and I are. So I always tell him we're we're somehow like distant, distantly related. I yeah, agree. you're from Central you Pennsylvania. Do, we're you all do related. Look yeah, alike. yeah. Well, now well, that you say that, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. We're all related. <laughs> yeah, we're all related. Yeah, it's Central PA. It's like like Freddie. Some of his cousins are his are his brothers and sisters and. Okay, (laughs) you've crossed the line twice now. We're 15 minutes into this. Fine, but uh, yeah, somehow my mom's related to some sipes um, somehow. But I would always tell him, and he would just kind of pass me off and be like, "Don't tell too many people." Shout out, Jim. I actually see like the resemblance. Yeah, he's he's a good dude. Yeah, he he has Steelers season tickets, and he always treats me well. If I want to, we have a 400 pound tire in the gym because of Mr. Sipes. 
You remember that uh, tailgate we went to with mm-hmm. Mr. Slipes? Yeah, I uh, kind of remember it. <laughs> yeah, to be honest. It, was a, it was a great time. So, so after uh, after your time there, you ended up uh, where are you currently at? So, uh, well, I actually ended up at the Altoona School District. I worked in school based for almost two years. Um, now, how different was that from a clinic setting? So different. It's it, you work on a whole different model. So, yeah. clinic se- clinic setting, you're in a medical model, whereas in the school setting, you're more an educational model. Uh, I learned a lot. I loved the hours. I was off in the summer. Then I would do PRN work at Health South, um, <coughs> inpatient and outpatient. But uh, then I ha- I got pregnant, had my daughter, and then never went back. Which she is awesome. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She she's been missing Silas though. He hasn't been in the gym yeah. as much. Both of them. Yeah, so, yeah, um, two of them now. Yeah, that's how I got interested in peds. Really, I my background is in ortho, but I just didn't love the. Uh, I didn't love that all the jobs I was looking at, I couldn't really spend that one-on-one time with my patients. I wasn't into that. So I kind of went to the peds route because that's all one-on-one. Yeah, which I feel like that statement alone, we could probably spend a whole podcast on just the how much of a just grind it is in a clinical setting because you're seeing like a seven, seven patients a day doesn't seem that many like what Zach's doing right now whenever he was averaging like 27 a day Yeah, uh, at one point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, still tough, but there. yeah. And, 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 and it's that, not, that number might be inflated. It, That's yeah. just kind of. And it's it's not the, it's the system. It's the system with yeah. which we had to work in. Insurance. So so the cash PT model, um, it's an idea that the national average copay right now is $40 a visit. Mm-hmm. So if somebody goes to therapy, um Unfortunately, and, and it's not the therapist's problem. It's not the owner's problem. It's 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 a healthcare problem, and, and it's a it's damn near a, a crisis for people that are trying to get well that are orthopedic injuries. Um, so you go to therapy. You go three times a week uh, because if, if if you're not getting your visits in, then you got to close your door. So you need mm-hmm. visits, um, and you're paying 120 bucks a month, or excuse me, a week, um, and you're seeing your PT not too not too long because you're being passed off to ancillary staff it's, mm-hmm. it's the way it's got to happen so the thought process in is you bring is is that you bring in these this cash model where you set a rate let's say it's a hundred dollars um you come in you get that one-on-one individualized care if you get zero reimbursed i'm saving you 20 bucks a week right. um if you get um sometimes people have good out-of-network benefits so if you have like a fifth let's say 50 percent out-of-network reimbursement then it's costing you 50 bucks to come see me. And I have plenty of those people in my practice that then say, if it's only 50 bucks, I'm coming twice a week, right. which is which is good for my benefit, but it's also good for them because yeah. it's me Well, if you look at it this way from, because I've done therapy before you got out of, out of school, so yeah. I, I, I've been a consumer of it. You'd be with your PT for maybe 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and in that hour session, there's another 45 minutes where you're – you're either on your own doing the exercises and you have the sheet in front of you or you have a tech or PTA sure. with you. Or even worse, sometimes your your PT has a, a patient who has a, a dire need for them for the entire hour. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, sometimes there's several sessions that you just don't yeah. get to you at all. And the, and, so. and the crazy thing is I was going three times a week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and if I only saw them 10, 15 minutes, by the end of the week, I'm only with the PT one-on-one for 45 minutes. Whenever you do this cash-based model, you get a full hour. Mm-hmm. So even if you're in one visit, you're actually – I would have been getting an extra 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of attention from the from the person who's going to make the biggest impact. Yeah, and a lot of times I can tell you if you're getting 15 minutes per visit, mm-hmm. that PT's moving. I mean, he's. Yeah. there are some times where I just couldn't get to you. Um, yeah. 
and and again, it's it's a product of the system. It's uh, it's it's what yeah, healthcare, it's not the PT's fault. It's, it's what healthcare is pushing us to do. Right, and it leads to burnout. Yeah, yeah. Big you know, the, the, yeah for, for the sure. therapist and and then patients sort of start to lose faith in what a physical therapist can truly do. And, mm-hmm. and you, know, you go home at the end of the day knowing I could have done a lot more for that person yeah. if I just had the time. And, yeah. and that's what it boils down so, to. So what does PT do? Like, so everybody thinks that physical therapy is come in here, let me put a hot pack on you, let me stretch. Stem. And yeah, yeah, and you know the the question I get over and over and over again is, do you have a heat pack? Do you have an ice mm-hmm. pack? Do you have stem? And the funny thing about that is a lot of times in a lot of clinics, the reason you do things like that is because you can bill for it. Yeah, the billable um, hours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or not hours. What are they called? Billable units. Units. Yeah. Units. Um, and I'll tell you that research has shown over and over and over again, and, and Dan's kind of a research nerd over here. I think um, he's just a nerd. Just but a the research general adds General nerd. Yes. General yeah, nerd. in general. Yeah. Yeah. He, His name's Danny, not Dan. <laughs> yeah. But uh, – in the, in that respect, there's a there's a lot of evidence out there that kind of goes against modalities for any type of treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says that uh, most of the time, moving is is more beneficial than putting an ice pack or heat pack on. And, and a lot of times, if it's an acute injury, if it's post op and it makes people feel better, mm-hmm. sometimes that is that is what gets my hands on them. Is they let me put a cup on them, they yep. let me put an ice pack on them. So that kind of deadens the nervous system a little bit for me to get my hands on them. Yep, and I've I've heard it referred to as that's your you know that's your spa treatment part of the session. You know mm-hmm. that's not the the the, the meat and potatoes what's going to make you better. But some people they come expecting that and they had a previous experience where they really like that that heat and stim, and so there's there's no problem with putting on it uh, putting it on them, and as long as they have an understanding that hey this is this is to help us. Sorry, sorry, moving, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he might have to go out. I'll be back. <laughs> it's it's to help us get you moving again. You know, if if you have trouble doing things that that are going to make you better, and putting some heat on you help you do those things more. You know, as long as they have the understanding that this isn't the thing that's going to make you better. This isn't a passive thing that you're just supposed to receive when you get here. Right. Um, that's the big thing. I agree with that. So so do you spend a lot of time? Because I know you've been in peds for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of pushed you over the edge of looking into women's health? Um. My own pregnancies. Okay. Really. What happened in your own pregnancies? Um, basically, it's pretty much a lack of understanding of the pregnant body. Um, you know, you have a, there are a lot of discomforts that are completely expected when you're pregnant, but there's nobody out there who can help you or tell you how to make that feel better. Or at it's least there's very few people out there. Ver- that can do yes. That. Yeah. And for me personally, I didn't find anybody that yeah. would that would be comfortable putting their hands on me and doing anything to help me feel better because. Pregnancy is kind of looked at as like a disease and not necessarily like the, a normal thing. So that's everyone would say that's a great way of putting it. <coughs> yeah. yeah, well, everyone and, and would just say like that's a normal pain, ache and peg, and like that that's what you have to deal with when you're pregnant. But I truly believe it is it is not. We don't have to feel this way. Sure. Um, and so that's kind of what kind of catapulted me into this direction. And, and that's something that, uh, ironically enough, is that when she was pregnant, I was one of the people that she reached out to, and I did as much as I could for. Her. Um, did he help? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he but did there, there's a lot of so there's a lot of things that happen when you're pregnant, and sometimes, you know, there's a lot of hormone changes and that kind of stuff. And there's some things that physical therapy, it's above and beyond physical therapy. But so many physical therapists, the stigma you're afraid to put your hands on a pregnant woman, mm-hmm. um, j- just because you're afraid of hurting them, you're afraid of hurting the baby. Um, I can't have you lay on your back because it's going to automatically clog your aorta and you're going to die on my table. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that don't really make sense. And, and, and to the point of 
this gym at Dorman Sports Performance, there's something in the water because there's about 35 pregnant women yeah. here. It uh, is. But, uh, just the, the positive atmosphere just breeds children. Yeah. <laughs> but but I'll tell you, a, a lot of these women were coming up to me asking me questions about pregnancy, and, and I kind of would get a little overwhelmed by it. I can talk about back pain. I can talk about pregnancy. I can talk about that stuff. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable to have me talking to a female about, you know, sure. different. You can't relate. Yeah. Like You're just mansplaining at that point. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. oh, stop being a baby. You know, whatever. <laughs> and but, I, I think there's definitely something to say for, you know, having experience, you know, working from personal experience that you, you've had, you've been pregnant before, you've gone through it and experienced those, those things. Um, people really will trust you a lot whenever you, you have the experience and you've been there. And yeah. cause I've had, I've treated, um, females who were pregnant before and i remember one specifically she was working with my pta and she said um you know i, I knew what the, the research said about the condition she had and and everything that you're supposed to do for her and and things like that but you know she had told the pta that she just doesn't feel um like she wanted to work with me because of the fact that i've not experienced that there's no way i could ever experience it and she was absolutely right i mean you you have to trust your physical therapist because your physical therapist is mainly your coach to get you through something that you know to to show you that you're you're resilient you're strong you it's okay to move yeah and you being through it and saying like look i'm on the other side i've been through it i'm i'm back to doing things i want to do i mean that speaks volumes to the the patient just to put them at ease at first i think and that's so a big too. first step yeah so where are you on your journey right now with women's health because there's a whole specialist certification for oh this. my yeah there's yeah. you could go for years and years and years and it's a constant evolution like you had said about it's ever changing mm. Um, so really in school, we didn't learn much about women's health. Did you guys learn a whole lot about women's health when you were going through PT? I think I'm actually an expert on it, but (laughs) (laughs) I think think you get pregnant, you have the baby and then that's it, right? And then then you get right back into exercising. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't that women's health? Yeah. Yeah. You guys said earlier, you thought something was in the water. It is. That's not how, that's not how it it works. (laughs) We'll do a separate podcast. There was a stork that just signed up and just started our CrossFit. But no, not, it wasn't covered a lot. We, we went over pelvic floor exercise a little bit and, and, right. and i'll tell you it was kind of it was kind of the joke like like mm-hmm. hey there are these pelvic floor exercises where there's, there's these beads that you mm-hmm. can use and everybody's oh, laughing Lord, and it, yeah so that's the problem i think it um, is a problem people are afraid to Kegel. talk about it so yeah mm-hmm. people are afraid to talk about it like we had said you know they think it is it's something that you should be shamed about um but really pelvic floor pulls into there are so many different realms you could go into and that's kind of where i'm at right now i'm learning about them all i'm super interested and i'm doing a lot of research and a lot of taking taking courses on um like the sports side of it and women who want to continue maintaining their fitness and working out prenatal postnatal um but what i'm learning is that we need to start talking about it more and the pelvic floor is not its own thing the pelvic floor is part of a system and I mean, men can have pelvic floor injuries. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about that. But the pelvic floor is one set of muscles that is a part of a whole system of your core. Powerlifters so, actually, yeah. su- like male powerlifters suffer just because the amount of weight and so, yeah. pressure and everything. They, it's not Obviously, it's not as common for men. It's actually more... Is it? Not, it's more common than you'd think. So how many men do you know have been diagnosed with prostatitis? Have you no heard idea. of that? Yeah, I've heard of that. A yeah. lot. A so lot of men. It's a, it's a misdiagnosed thing, <clears throat> especially if they're lifters. Because what happens is in men, it's a little bit different. Obviously, the anatomy is different. But men are so trained to keep their core tight, mm-hmm. they're actually over-recruiting their pelvic floors. And so you have urgency issues. You have hmm. issues with um, constipation. 
erection issues. Really, it's not. That's not what is the problem. The problem is you are over recruiting your pelvic floor, so all of those muscles pinching on nerves, all kinds of problems are happening. So, so is that like a lack of just not bracing in the right right spots? Too much bracing. Too much bracing. Yeah, you're you're actually. So if I had a balloon, I could show you, but. Whenever you're lifting, you're creating you're creating I, pressure. I, I, I laugh. It won't I translate laugh. well on the podcast. I can't show you. I, I laugh. Show you. I laugh because what Freddie <laughs> likes to do is if if anybody if anybody shows anything, Freddie will be like, "Okay, she's sitting on her leaning to her right side." <laughs> I she don't is, get that. Description. Well, we she was holding it on YouTube. She was holding a bo- balloon in her left hand, now right hand. <laughs> she's. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Like, but, uh, uh, basically, it's. I hate you. You know, when you're lifting, you're creating pressure in in your core, in your abdominal mm-hmm. cavity, and that pressure has to go somewhere. So if you're constantly bracing your abs and not letting that pressure push out on them at all, that it's going down. It's going mm. down through Makes the pelvic sense. floor. Yeah, so the pelvic floor is fighting back mm-hmm. and kind of over-recruiting. There, there's actually, and it, it's very minimal movement type stuff. Um, I'm a big believer in, in I, I used to think that, okay, you come in here and you have knee pain and your squat sucks, well, then let's work on your squat. Um, squatting is re- working on your squat and saying, okay, well, it's your hip flexor on your right side. We need to strengthen that. A, a lot of times it's more training movement patterns, uh, getting people to move better. I'm a big fan of, like, <clears throat> developmental neuromuscular type of stuff. You look at a, a two-year-old child that's squatting that is void of disease. They squat perfect. So why do they do it? And then over time, we we dislearn that that pattern. So I tried to learn those patterns. But something with pelvic floor exercises, and we talked about it, is that whenever we we look at a lot of diaphragmatic breathing, we look at a lot of like rib cage mobility, and and a lot of times people that have uh, poor thoracic spine mobility, which is connected to your rib cage, mm-hmm. they end up having shoulder pain, they have back pain, yada, which yada, is yada. right down the alley for a lot of our CrossFit. So, well, this is the, this is a huge thing. CrossFit athletes and shoulder injuries are like peanut butter and jelly yeah I mean, it, it, which it, it is avoidable yeah but just the nature of the sport it's hard just because it's so redundant okay, in a lot so of the movements there there's research out there that shows your pelvic floor turns on before you move your shoulder okay mm-hmm. so if you are if you have a pelvic floor issue basically it, what that what i'm saying with the pelvic floor issue it, there's a lack there's some sort of disconnect in the relationship between the core so the, your core muscles your deep core what we're talking about is your diaphragm mm-hmm. your transverse abdominis muscle your uh, multifidus in your back and your pelvic floor it's it kind of is like a box um, and that's what kind of that is your core that's what keeps the pressure in the system going mm-hmm. inside your abdominal cavity if you can't that that's your your base so before you lift something heavy over your head, if you can't create a good base, you're trying to get that stability from somewhere else. And it's you're trying to get it from your shoulder, and your shoulder isn't made. It's to not designed to do that. Hand that mm-hmm. Yeah, handle that kind of pressure. So therefore, we have shoulder injuries, you know, overhead mm-hmm. squats. Um, I mean, snatching. Any snatch, yeah. Anything like that, you know. That ma- I mean, that makes total sense. So if you need to have a good base mm-hmm. before, and, and you that's where you look at the form, and you try to kind of manipulate somebody's, you know, pelvic tilts all kinds of different yeah there's a lot of things that we try to do as far as like teaching proper breathing Mm -hmm. proper bracing but in a class setting it's really hard yeah that's why whenever zach was telling me you guys were coming we're probably going to be seeing more of you i was like oh this will be great yeah because this will be a this will be an easy way to we can individualize it because everyone's different they're all little snowflakes out there so it's one of those things that (laughs) we having them (laughs) 
You like that? Yeah. Um, it's true though, because it's you can't have a cookie cutter program and expect everyone to get better at the same rate. Yeah. Or like, so having having somebody with that knowledge to be able to like, hey, this is what this is, is going to be huge. Well, there are some things you can like kind of look at as a coach or um, like a like a box owner. Mm-hmm. If you have a whole class and everybody in their double unders on the board for the day, and everybody's running to go to the bathroom before, you know who has problems. You know, there's a Instant. there's right. I could tell you. I'm not going to say names, but I could pick. 12 right now off yeah, the top of my head. That's not normal. No. It, it, we, we laugh about it, but it's not and normal to pee yourself. Yeah. It's just not normal to pee yourself when you jump. Yeah. And you don't um, have to be a mother for... No, no. you don't. But I mean, that's... I mean, yeah. it, it probably a makes lot, it... A it a just so happens a lot of the... Just because well, of the strain thing, of... Yeah. 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 Or another big thing is if you have someone doing CrossFit for, say, a year, you know, they're doing a lot of squatting, a lot of deadlifting, and they have a flat butt. There's something they're, going they're on with their getting it somewhere out. Yeah, yeah, because you're not. They're obviously not using their glutes. <coughs> yeah, to do their squats. So no, they're, it's they're, there's something going on there. Yeah, uh, the big thing that I see is uh, erectors are always overdeveloped, yeah. and then huge quads, no glutes, minimal hamstring. Yeah, and that's not in, in yeah. training. Training your glutes, you know, th- that's a big overuse. Not overuse statement. That's mm-hmm. something that's that's beneficial sure but a lot of times it turns into mobility and form yeah there's a there's so you're not going to lay on the ground and do leg lifts for glute raises we're going to make you squat we're just going to make you're going to make you move better yeah Um, and that's the thing like those glutes would probably be more developed if they're in the proper range of motion sure yeah Yeah. that's fair yeah Yeah. so there's a lot of things that can go dan can talk a lot about sfma approach which yeah that's what because zach and i zach and i are fms certified and sfma is probably in my future yeah I, I can't get it because I'm not a clinician, so um, I'm still super excited to learn more about that and kind of what that what that entails. But I I do like the FMS as far as like a having like a groundwork, especially just to explain to parents exactly what we're looking at. So from uh, looking for mobility deficits, yeah, yeah. yeah but before we get there, I want to talk about what, to Taylor. What do you see out there, like? What types of things should people be looking for as far as like pelvic floor health? Like, what do you see out in the gym that would make what happens as far as like urine retention, as far as all that ki- all so, that kind of stuff? So, what do you, like what would I do for that? No, no, or? no. What, what do you see? Like, what would make me think that I have a pelvic floor issue? Oh, yeah. What are like some symptoms? Okay, so um, any feeling of pressure in the bo- in your bottom, so whether you're a male or female, vagina or whatever. Um, if you're feeling pain or pressure whenever you're at heavy, at the bottom of a heavy lift, there's something wrong. You're not holding that pressure right. Mm-hmm. Um, pee, like incontinence, so peeing when you do double unders or box jumps. Which that is something that's happening. very common in, in just CrossFit Olymp- and, if you go and, and Olympic, Olympic lifting. So one of the things that you'll see at a weightlifting meet, especially at a higher level, um, and it's kind of worrisome because it, it, it's it's part of the sport. Like they actually have somebody dedicated to this uh, on the platform. That's especially in the women's session. There's actually somebody that's there that has gloves on, uh, wire brush, and disinfectant because these girls are lifting such heavy weights that they'll liter- they'll pee through their uh, singlet. Singlet. Yeah. And and it, it's visual and it, it's just one of those things that's like that happens. But it, it's to a point where um, I think it could be. Avoided. There's, there's pee people. Yeah, they're, like yeah, there's actually like somebody. Their pelvic floors. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's it's crazy. To me. Weight, I'm sure it's inevitable. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. There's question. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're going I mean, after, if you're doing like a true max attempt and you're forcing as hard as you can to stand up with a clean, right? There's gonna be, 
there's going to be a chance of that happening. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, uh, the question is, number one, should you be trying that way? Well, that – and that, you can't and, hold the form. Yeah, and it's all like you got to look at the at the athlete. Like that, that's somebody that's, that's going after like a national record or like yeah. – but like everyday people that are in our gym, right? We can avoid that. That yeah. that's a different situation. Exactly. I think. Yeah. I if if, if, I think it's, if you're doing it for the sport, yeah, you assume the risk of the sport. You right. want to be trained. Not to say that you don't train for that sport and you want right. to be stronger, but but you know, I always use the analogy of like running my head into a person with a helmet <laughs> on was not the smartest thing I could have done in my in my life. But, but you assume but the it's, risk. But it's part of the sport, so I did. Yeah. Right. Um, and then a, a cool thing about pelvic floor is a lot of times people think the, the word bracing, I feel like is, is a poor word to use for. It's, for it's overused. Because whenever, whenever you talk about bracing, people think that you're sucking in your gut and that kind of stuff. There are two different <laughs> meanings to it. Yeah. A lot of times whenever you talk about pelvic floor, it's almost like you're pushing the ribs down to your pelvic, to your pelvis and almost like you're, you have a belt around your waist and you're pushing out in 360 degrees. So yeah. you're, you're Taylor almost, and I actually just talked about that the other day with one of one of the girls she's working with. Yeah, you almost want to have like you're wearing a belt without wearing a belt. Yeah. If you look at some of the most powerful explosive athletes, if you look at somebody like Usain Bolt, if you get a picture of him with his shirt off, he has a little pot belly. Like, yeah. He has a six-pack on top of it, but that's because he's so efficient at, at rotating through his shoulders and thoracic spine. Exactly. He's a power belly. And he has that. Yeah, look at power lifters. They yeah. Have yeah. Power belly. I mean, look at Eddie Hall. He's 365 pounds with an eight-pack, but his yeah. belly is, like, round just yeah. because he's used to holding a 1,000-pound squat, but he's correctly bracing, so he's actually forcing forcing that that pressure out in the right right directions. And yeah. that's, like, a sign of someone who can really manage that pressure in yeah. their cavity. Whenever you, ha- you see a man who is completely six-pack and he's – constantly holding his abs tight there's a problem there somewhere yeah and 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 the thing is is that to get this figured out um that's so the first question i asked is what is physical therapy and we really didn't we didn't answer it um and it's something that we should answer. yeah you ruined your own question yeah i know i think i blame it on taylor and dan but uh (laughs) but uh i set him up for a home run and we struck out but uh but what is physical therapy? Because people think, oh, okay, I'll just start bracing and my pelvic floor will be okay. And, and the problem is, is that they're, they're, people don't hesitate to go to their healthcare providers because they're, they're, to be honest with you, they're better at advertising than us. Um, and, and they don't understand that, like, we have doctorates in musculoskeletal movement. Um, we, we are the masters of... Uh, I don't. Yeah, we, we, are, <laughs> we, we are the masters of... of of mobility and, and that kind of stuff. And a lot of times people will quickly go somewhere where they can get a five, 10 minute fix, not understanding what can a physical therapist do for you. Right. Unfortunately, in some of these big box places, they don't go there because their experiences to go in, get their heat pack, be pushed through an exercise program that's, and head out. The, the issue is that that's been such an ingrained thing in society that that's the norm. Yeah. That's it's, what people mm-hmm. pe- that's PT what, yeah, yeah, when you think PT, I mean, obviously I have a different point of view, but for the average person, when they think PT, that's what they're thinking. So I think a lot of time and effort needs to be put into educating people on what the difference and, is. And the biggest compliment to me whenever people come see me at home in physical therapy is whenever we're doing something is they look at me and say, you want me to do what? Um, or Wait, we're cleaning today? Yeah, or, or we're, we're deadlifting with, with weight on that bar, and it's kind of like, yeah, do you, you know, do you lift a purse off the floor? Functional movement. Yeah, let's go do it. So that's the biggest compliment to me. And then as far as, like, cash PT, a lot of times, number one, it's less expensive than 
regular physical therapy, but it's also something where, hey, you you have a $300, $400 car payment. You can't invest yourself for three, $400 a, a month for hopefully hopefully one month. You know what I mean? Hopefully you get it ready or, or four to six weeks. But what should physical therapy look like? Dan, you got any thoughts? Yeah. yeah say mean, something. Uh, <laughs> say something. So I'm when, uh, whenever you go to physical therapist, you know, at, after the session, you should leave there with an instruction manual for your body a little bit. I mean, you should you should feel <clears throat> more in control of, of your problem. You should have a, a lot more sense of this is going to be OK or this is going to get better uh, because a lot of a lot of people you know, with Google and all the information that's out there. You know, there's something called analysis paralysis where the, the more information you get, the, the less like you are to do something because there's just so many different things out there that it, to, to kind of scare you into what, what this possibly could be. So, you know, a physical therapist, like you said, we're, we're experts in musculoskeletal system and, and movement. Uh, we're trained at taking a good history. You know, we uh, uh, one of the first things we do is we, we want to make sure, are you in the right place? You know, because we're, we're trained to look at red flags that uh, of things that might never be normal. So those those things like fracture, dislocation, cancer, th- those are things that are never normal. And if, if we see signs of that, we want to get you to the right person. So first of all, we want to make sure it's I not say that. One sinister. of the best things that's ever worked for my business is actually sending people out of here. Right. Because um, it shows have, you, act, I mean, you genuinely care. People have yeah. so much more confidence in me if I say, hey, that's over my head. And that's what the direct access yeah. is all about. We have, we have direct access. People can come to us because we're trained to recognize those things. So and hey, we, we have really good relationship <clears throat> with doctors. And we're not mm-hmm. trying to eliminate doctors. Um, it's one of those things where if you have an orthopedic injury, we have direct access. Let it, if we can treat it, cool. We just skip the whole <clears throat> step for you. Mm-hmm. If it gets to the point where you're two weeks out and you're not where you you know, I notice a noticeable difference in my health, then we'll be the first people to say, hey, here's a, here's a name. Go see this doc because they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't, you know, we want to, we just kind of want to streamline that process for people. Right. Um, so, you know, once, once we determine you're in the right place, a physical therapist is good at getting a good history where we're asking the right questions about your problem and, and getting an idea of the nature of your symptoms, how they behave, and then moving you. You know, we, we can't we can't tell what's wrong with you just by saying this hurts here. You know, and in fact, I, I oftentimes say if you um, if you see a physical therapist somewhere and you ask them, hey, my back hurts, what should I do for it? Their answer should be, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if their answer is, oh, this exercise, then this this physical therapist or whatever whatever their clinician is, um, you know, they're, they're probably just giving cookie cutter exercises. So a physical therapist is good at de- determining the nature of your problem, um, moving you and seeing mm-hmm. how your symptoms behave, and then. Uh, using some type of, you know, a lot of times we use manual therapy or uh, certain passive type of treatments to help you treat yourself. Uh, and w- when you treat yourself, it empowers you to be able to handle the situation long term. And oftentimes you get better more quickly too whenever you have the tools to do it outside of the clinic. So like I said, when you leave that uh, that appointment, you should feel a sense of confidence of feeling like things are going to be okay. And uh, as opposed to, well, I'm going to come here and just receive treatment for X number of weeks, three times a week or yeah. whatever. Yeah, you should be being educated by your PT. Yeah. Well, I feel like the more, as, as somebody that's gone through that, so the, the more you know, the more you're going to buy into it too. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. if, if I actually leave there knowing like, oh, this guy, this guy or girl knows knows a ton about this, like you're going to feel a lot more comfortable going through mm-hmm. going through that, that whole process. Uh, and another, another thing I'll say too, one, one thing that's invaluable is we, we're myth busters. 
Oh, 100%. Um, when, when people come in, and this goes to the, you know, this is a little bit of an introduction to the pain science thing, but um, in in pain, you know, the pain scientists are, are discovering that the language that we use, the words that we use, mm-hmm. um, they can either be a detriment or, or a, a help to somebody. Oh, yeah. Um, we, the, the medical, you know, the healthcare system, unfortunately, does a disservice to people when, when they go to 10 different practitioners and they get 10 different diagnoses. So this person has this one problem, but a list of 10 different things that are, are told yeah. to them. And, and a lot of, a lot of times they are, um, just incorrect. And there is a, a, a little bit of danger in some of that incorrect information because there's, uh, there's something called the nocebo effect that's been kind of coined among patients. Say that again. What's it called? The nocebo effect. So we've all heard of placebo. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying three different things there. No, no. Yeah. So like, pl- who's this nocebo person? We've all, yeah. We've all, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Nocebo. So uh, placebo is when you get a, a beneficial effect from a, Nothing, a treatment because you think something's been done. Sure. And, uh, so nocebo is whenever you have negative effects because of something <clears throat> somebody has told you. For So for a really good example, um, degenerative disc disease is a, a diagnosis that <clears throat> sounds very scary. Um, you know, my my, my dad was diagnosed with that. Yeah, and and it, uh, you know, thank goodness the um, the literature. There was a meta analysis done. I have the study here somewhere. Um, a meta analysis done on imaging. Like, here comes the nerd. Here Dan. comes. Yeah. <laughs> let me push nerd my glasses, out. Let me push my glasses up. I have glasses, but, um, Dan. What are you saying? <laughs> uh, I don't. Um, but so, uh, in, in this study, they looked at. Um, multiple studies of imaging on people who are pain-free. So these are the people that were involved in these studies. You know, none of them are hurting. They're all doing whatever they want. Um, if you have pain, you can't be in the study. And they want to see what do quote-unquote normal people look like when, when we do their, their imaging. And, uh, you know, they find that there's high percentages of these these things that we're diagnosed with when we have pain as a reason for our pain that are actually just normal parts of the aging process. They And degenerative disc disease is one of them. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, I've... Uh, in in our 70s 80s and 90s pain-free people uh, about up to 70 to 80 percent of pain-free people have degenerative disc disease and it, and it progresses along you know the, the lifespan so it uh you know it's not really that accurate to look at someone and say well if your mri has degenerative disc disease that means this is what's causing your pain and it's mm-hmm. going to get worse as you go on because we some, see people all the time get better with yeah, that diagnosis. Some, some people get irritated with me because they'll tell me and you say nope wrong yeah th- i have a herniated <laughs> disc and, I, and i'll say Oh, okay, <laughs> and you have to be and you have to be sensitive cool. about that because yeah, you like, do. You, because the, if their understanding is that my the changes in my tissues are what's causing my pain, and you try to take that away from them without you know, easing into it a little bit, it's kind of like saying um, no, it's all in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because yeah. they uh, people don't understand that you don't have to have tissue damage to have pain, and you can have tissue changes without pain being there. Um, uh, so the, this is where the education really comes in, and we're, we're trying to dispel some of these myths because when you believe that there's you know, tissue damage in your body that is causing your pain and that you shouldn't do certain things because of the, the pain, it actually makes your pain worse. So mm-hmm. our, our, sensitive, our, our, our nervous system is uh, you know, sensitized by negative thoughts and they're called thought viruses is the other term that they use in pain science when you have this thought virus yeah and it it once it's in your brain it means every single time you have an episode of pain you start thinking ah it's that disc that's herniated or it's that disc that's degenerating or get right back to what yeah exactly and it makes you start to um exhibit these fear avoidance behaviors and that's that's one of the primary ingredients in the recipe for chronic pain is Fear avoidance behavior is because I yell at people all the time. Yep. He says that all the time. The the biggest cause of 
chronic pain is fear avoidance behavior. Um, yeah, it's a big recipe. I mean, fear, it's, it's what complicated. It, fear avoidance behavior turns into, <coughs> well, I'm not going to do that thing because I'm afraid of. One of the yep. first things I ask people is, what's the goal? What are we getting mm-hmm. back to? And typically, I like to show them in some capacity. You know, I'm a dancer. I want to get to second position, releve. Um, I want to, you know, w- without my calf hurting or something like that. Sometimes I like to get an idea of, okay, what is it that you don't think you can do? Let's modify it somehow. Mm-hmm. And then I like to show them that, hey, look, you can do it. And, and I'm telling you, you just see this weight that's lifted off of them mm-hmm. that, you know, holy shit, I can't I can't do something like this. Yeah. But uh, the whole pain thing, well, well, first of all, the, the, the nocebo and the MRI and stuff, you'll hear a lot here that MRIs are very useful. They're mm-hmm. very useful. Yep. They're amazing technology. That it's, it's incredible very, very helpful, and, yep. and it's necessary. Um, and I've asked doctors, hey, I think we need imaging on this because mm-hmm. they're very good at ruling in and out sinister pathology. Exactly. What sinister being the keyword for sure. Sinister meaning, God forbid, you have a tumor mm-hmm. or something like Things that. Things that are never, ever normal. Um, right. The, the thing that's rough about them is they've done research where they'll take 100 people and they'll, they all have the same diagnosis. I have back pain down my right leg, and they'll give 50% of them an MRI and 50% of them no MRI, and they send them to conservative care. The people that don't get the imaging do significantly they do better. better. Yep. They use Be- less, less health care dollars. They get better more quickly. Because yes. they don't know they don't know the difference um they don't have yeah the 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 nocebo there or that, those myths that we have to really you know break through before and through, we start. through my orthopedic <coughs> residency i learned a lot of like using patient-friendly language things that yes, you shouldn't use exactly. a herniated disc and and rip and tear and that kind of stuff and, it, and it's so funny how you'll see somebody's whole demeanor change mm-hmm. if you say yeah you have a nerve impingement something's going on here and they look at you and say could it be a disc herniation? And I said, and I tell them well, maybe, you mm-hmm. know, you know, but it's not really that big of a deal. Well, yep. oh my goodness, I have a, I have a disc herniation. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my. And then you just see, and it's kind of like, I make sure that they know that, Hey, I like treating those things. Mm-hmm. So, so let's keep your disc herniation. Let's make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you reverse that? So the nocebo, you have a patient that comes to the, you and the education. Um, yeah. so Tons of education. Whenever, everyone's on a, on a different spectrum of how much education they need. Whenever it's an acute ankle sprain, if you never did any pain science with that person, the, the likelihood is in a few weeks they're going to be significantly better and then they'll do fine. You know, It's something that just happened a, a day ago. It, it's very common in society. We know somebody who sprained their ankle and got better. There's not a lot of stigma around it. it. It's not as important in that person. Somebody who's had pain for 20 years since a car accident and they've been to 25 different practitioners in that person you know the majority of what you need to do is just to start explaining um explaining pain to them and once they they kind of get an idea of it's just it's just neuroscience this isn't psychology it's not hocus pocus it's just hey here's this is the neuroscience of how pain works in our body for that person it's a big part of their actual treatment because um when they when they look at research and people who have had chronic pain like that, um, if you just do exercise, the the results aren't nearly as good as doing first a, a good explanation of pain science. Here here's why you hurt. This is an understanding of why you hurt, which is mostly related to sensitivity of the nervous system, not tissue damage. Yeah. Once they start to just understand that, they understand why they hurt. They start to become more aware of their triggers. Then that person, um, we start to expose them, and, and it's graded exposure to movement, getting their confidence back that their body can handle these things, their body is resilient, and their body is strong. And once they start to move and they, they start to understand that pain, then they can actually start to do more and function more, and they get better much more quickly than if you didn't do that educational component of mm-hmm. here's the neuroscience of behind pain. And you talked, you talked first there about um, 
whenever she said, how do we do that? Um, you talk first about what's the word. I'm, I just lost the word, the, uh, specialists, like, like looking at specialist care and that kind of stuff. The one thing I, I had a mentor, her name was Jesse Heath and Jesse Heath is brilliant. She's one of the smartest people I've ever met. She's, yep. she horrifies a lot of people. She was your OCS. Yeah. And yeah. she, she was, she was Thank brilliant. Um, but the one thing that she would always tell me is, and she used to get real pissed at me. Um, you want to be, you want to be somebody who is very supportive of the way people, you know. Hey, I have this blood work. Let me look at it. Okay, <clears throat> let me look at. It. I have this MRI. Will you read it for me? Yeah, sure. Give me the MRI. Um, sometimes I'll look at somebody's MRI report just because I want to. I want to dumb it down and I want to make it seem very simple. Um, because typically it is and they read a lot of verbiage on this MRI and they're like oh my goodness it's horrible Um, but she was very big on not adding specialists to things Um, don't add another person Mm -hmm. you know if somebody comes in and they say hey my back's been hurting I got blood work do you think that we should get somebody like some more blood work yada 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 the answer is give me two weeks give me two weeks I think I can get this for you and then that kind of just takes that barrier down that if you continue to add specialists i want to read your mri i I think we should get a ct scan that kind of stuff whenever i get to that point it's because i don't know what's wrong with you and how how many times have you seen this happen zach you you have someone come to you because you're the first person that they can get in with but they've already been prescribed several other uh physicians all the way up to maybe neurosurgeon or they've already been referred to them and those referrals are maybe three or four three or four weeks down the road but they get in with you first because we're just more available to get you in and, and get you started two weeks they're doing great you know they they progress just like they you know they should uh you see great response and then they go to the next specialist and they get their imaging results and they get the recommendations of things they they need and then they go to that that next specialist and they're they're talking about surgery and things just start going backwards and how many times does that happen most frustrating patient i've ever had in my life um was this guy came to me back pain pain down his leg um started treating him we treated him for you know however long i treated him um, got to the point where he followed up with his doctor. Everything was going great. Back pain's gone, completely functional, no problem. And he came back after his doctor's appointment. I said, hey, how'd the doctor's appointment go? And he said, it went really good. Um, today's going to be my last day. And I said, awesome. I said, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you. You're back to life. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for you. Maybe I'll run into you in the grocery store or something like that. You know, the old PT line of, mm-hmm. I hope I don't see you in here. Um, <laughs> And he that looked at me, chestnut. yeah, and he had yeah, that old chestnut. And he said, uh, he said, well, I'll probably see you in a couple of weeks. And I said, why are you going to see me in a couple of weeks? And he said, uh, my, my, my lumbar fusion is scheduled for Monday. Uh, and I said, why are you having a lumbar fusion? And he said, because I have a herniated disc. Because my MRI said I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, do you have any pain? And he said, no. He said, but uh, I've had this pain before. And that guy had, that guy had a lumbar fusion and he came back. And had one hell of a time getting over his lumbar fusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, not to say that it's not necessary. Surgeons oh, yes, are necessary. Absolutely. I'm, glad, something... I'm glad the fusion surgery exists. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, there are many cases where it's done on somebody, and, and they'll, they'll get improvement from it, but it, a lot of times it is done on people who would also respond to conservative treatment. And well, I th- just yeah. unnecessary. I think there's, there's a misconception that when you have that surgery prescribed, that it's something that you need or you will keep having pain. And once they do the surgery, it's fixed and you won't have pain again. Right. Again, Zach, I'll ask you, how many times have you seen people with a new episode of pain and in their history, I've had lumbar fusion surgery. I, I had, I had a, this surgery in the past. I had a physician's <laughs> assistant as a patient who... Uh, 
who works for a neurosurgeon. And uh, we used to have this conversation all the time because they try to educate patients on that. They Mm -hmm. try to tell the patients that, listen, when we cut you, I'm trying to, there's two good neurosurgeons in this area. Um, Dr. Burke, Dr. Maserati, Mm -hmm. they're they're great at what they do. They're very conservative. They're not going to cut you unless you need to be cut. If if you're a neurosurgeon and I didn't name you, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Um, (laughs) So stop by and say hi. Um, But those guys are great. And and, uh, I talked to, a PA and she said that we have those conversations with people and we make them understand that, listen, I'm going to cut you open. And this is that patient friendly language that, that, uh, that, that, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't tell them you're going to cut them open and rip things out. And, (laughs) but they they want them to be, Hey, listen, like this is a big surgery and it's, and it's, you know, and people don't get, I mean, a lot of times they think, well, you're going to fix this and my pain is going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And, that's an unfortunate, which is one of those passive approach is that passive idea that yeah. you, you do something to me and then I'm just, I'm going to be better and, and hey, no active involvement in that. And Hey, I, this is the fifth podcast in a row. A joint can be perfect. The joint can be stuck. A joint can be, uh, tight or it can be beyond repair. And that's why, uh, that's why they're surgeons. And uh, you know, it's not something everybody thinks that physical therapy is anti-surgery and keep them away from surgery. Well, yeah, if I want to be good at what I do, I, but I'm also not stupid to realize that, there are some things that need doctors. Yep, there are some be, things that need surgery. It'd be very irrational to make a blanket statement yeah. saying no one should have an MRI or no one should have surgery. That's not not rational. Of of course, there are times when those are needed. No, we, we just don't want it to be overused. Now, I'm really con- like uh, <coughs> curious. Do you see a lot of similarities working with peds? Um, like that is pediatrics, a good because that is a good because like I feel like that might be slightly different or. or do you see very similar things in that setting versus what the setting they were in? And before we answer that, welcome back to the orthopedic world because <laughs> as you get into this uh, women's health journey, you're going on. Oh, yeah, I enjoy uh, it. Uh, there, I enjoy there are some uh, – I'm sure that you're going to find out just because the education is not there, including the orthopedic physical therapist. Quit spitting on yourself, yeah, The orthopedic physical therapist that's sitting here. Um, I don't know much about women's health. Yeah. And, and it's something that uh, – I think that it's going to be great for you to get out to some uh, gynecologists and stuff like that to make them understand that, hey, let me give me a shot. Let me try this. You know what? It's crazy. You you talk about the nocebo effect. I have friends who have been told that their diastasis recti will never be healed unless they have surgery by a gyno in this town. What is a a, uh, diastasis recti? Yeah, explain that. So diastasis is when your ab muscles split during pregnancy. Um, very almost 100% of women will have it by their ninth month because there needs to be room for the baby. It becomes clinical when it doesn't go back to normal. Um, now, is that is it common for it to not go back to normal, or uh, is it, it like just per person or just this like it, it body just, type? And it, it just depends. It, a lot of it is um, hereditary. I mean, really? if, in DNA, if you if you if your like fascia and tissue is just not real pliable, it doesn't mm-hmm. like to go back, then you may have a problem with gotcha. it. There, there are plenty of cases where surgery is the only option, but that's not the. O- you, you cannot tell that by just looking at someone saying, "Oh, there's just no way." Mm-hmm. Sure. Back. Um, and so there's a lot of education that needs to be done there. Um, a lot. But she was so, showing me some cool techniques the other day. Whenever you were making fun of me for, um, who were you treating the other day? Oh, you, yeah, anyway. Can't say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> really? Well, Zach, let's, let's put it out there in the air. In case, you, in case Zach has a major HIPAA violation, <laughs> you, you, can, you can edit this, right? I can, but <laughs> shut up. Yeah, but shout out to shut all up. the patients that I haven't said your name yet. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, uh, she was showing me some cool stuff with, yeah. with trying to uh, 
kind of what, what's the word approximate the dia- diastasis rectus and it was pretty cool to kind of feel the difference pre and post yeah. yeah and and yeah. the thing is if it's gonna if it's gonna heal it's gonna do it if you're doing the right things it's gonna happen quick yeah um and it may never go away 100 which they're already seeing positive results i just talked to him yesterday yeah yeah for and typically sure she is. if you're pregnant and you have that real dark line down the middle of your belly that, no that doesn't mean that you have a no that's okay. just something that happens linea alba yeah well, is that what it's called? That's the linea that's alba what splits, right? is, yeah, the yeah. fascia that splits between the. Gotcha. The, yeah, that's my abdominals. that's my women's health. For the, 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 <laughs> you the can't dark see the line. Them. That's not the linea alba. That's just something that happens. To oh, women. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I don't even know. You, you threw me sorry, off. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. We were talking about <laughs> how, how relevant is the you were talking oh, about nocebo. Yeah. So <coughs> you mean orthopedics to peds? Yeah, like just on how he's explaining like how the situation with certain patients like uh, like that nocebo effect yeah the nocebo the pain yeah more of it with peds is the education of the The parents right yeah the parent um relationships are huge if there's anything i've learned as with being a pt at um, five years in it's you have to have a relationship with your patient if you don't they'll never get better it's the same thing with coaching a positive relationship they won't trust you it doesn't matter how good of a PT you are if they can't trust you and if they can't have a good relationship with you, it's never going to work. Um, so that's where the education comes in huge, I think. And that's that's kind of, I think, where it ties in with PEDS more. With PEDS, you're not looking big into surgeries and stuff. A lot well, yeah. of it is just uh, I work in early intervention, which is zero to three years old. I mean, those babies know nothing. It's all about teaching their parents how to care for them. Um and educate them on why things are the way they are and how they can kind of improve that. And the transition from early intervention of zero to three years old, she's also getting <coughs> FaceTime with a lot of moms that might have some questions. Might for have her. some questions too. Um, yeah. Which, which would be really cool to kind of help the whole life cycle. It, it's, um, it's, it all intertwines. Yeah. Cause you think too, there's a, there's a lot to do. Um, there's a lot of talk out there now, which is good about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. If you if you're seeing women who are coming to you and they're in pain and they are depressed and you don't know that they're depressed, how how common is depression and pain? They go mm-hmm. hand in hand. Absolutely. I'm so and glad so you said that. You may not realize they're depressed and you're like, Why aren't they getting better? They must not be you know, what's going on? What am I missing? That's a huge factor. Mm-hmm. And so that's gonna play a large part into what we do as women's health PTs too, is there's a lot of screening out there for um, postpartum depression and it needs to be something that's talked about more. Because it's very common, and it's nothing to be ashamed about. A lot of things that you're getting into are very taboo, I feel like, in this world that hopefully will shed light on. I have a pretty big uh, presence on social media. I try to. I try to post some informational Mm -hmm. things. I try to share community stuff. But something I look forward to is, like, if Dan makes a post, I always always share it on my page. And same with Taylor. I just actually opened my phone, and for some reason that one post you put about. Are we boring you, Zach? Yeah. Okay. yeah, he was taking pictures of the dog. Uh, but yeah, I was I was playing Tetris. Um, but anyway, uh, Wordscapes. Have you ever heard of Lorimer Mosley or um, Adrian Lowe? No. So in your in your studies, um, in in your kind of education as we go forward, if you ever get an opportunity to like do an online course with Adrian Lowe or Lorimer Mosley. It's about they're the explained pain guys. Okay. And I know th- the reason I'm glad you talked about depression and anxiety is I know that Dan's about to erupt like a like a a uh, volcano about this. He's shaking over. Uh, there. Yeah, he literally his foot's he tapping. Yeah. He's twirling his thumbs. I I love explained pain. 
And a lot of times people, the, Dan said something earlier about uh, sometimes people think that that uh, pain is like you can't tell patients that it's in your head. And there's a very delicate way around doing that, that a lot of things are neurological. A lot of things are perceived threat by the brain. Dan, do you just want to take over? Go. Three, yeah, two, so, one. <laughs> go. So, so the <laughs> there's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, know, you ever hear the movie The Theory of Everything? Mm-hmm. It was a, it's a story about sounds um, like Zach uh, Stephen Hawking I believe but it's an awesome in, movie should I be offended by that in in physics there is um, you know different theories like string theory or particle theory that is supposed to be like the overarching theory that explains kind of every phenomenon we see in physics in the world of PT ne- pain neuroscience would be that theory of everything it um it is a course you can go to to learn to use explain pain as a treatment. But and, in and if you get to go to uh, oh, there, it's Adrian Lowe is super most eye opening. Yeah, it's the did most eye opening. Did you do this course. in person? Yeah, I, I got did to. It. I got to. Oh, do did you do it too? Yeah, Adrian Lowe. Um, he he co-authored the the book Explain Pain, uh, which is a really good resource for clinicians and and for patients for explaining these things because they're very abstract concepts. You got to make it you know, fit the real world. Somehow. Is that so something I would benefit it. from? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe there is a there's an updated version called Explain Pain Supercharged, but it's they use a lot of analogy and metaphor and illustration just to explain the neuroscience of pain. There's and why there's another here. one. Your back's having nerve surgery or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a little pamphlet for, and it, it's a yeah. really good illustration of, of a lot of these concepts. Um, so you know everything that we do in physical therapy um, is there's a lot of different treatment methods that propose to do something very different but they get the same type of conditions better. And so the only explanation for that, like if you have one treatment that is supposedly you know, putting joints back in alignment and another treatment that is um, like dry needling and another, another like instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization is uh, mobilizing fascia, yet they all very similarly treat certain things. There has to be some kind of overarching theme. What are we actually doing? Because how can such different mechanisms produce the same result? And in the end, neuro, neuro, pain neuroscience kind of tries to explain that in that those things that we're doing are uh, are more decreasing sensitivity of a sensitive nervous system. Uh, and like I said, everyone's at a different level of the spectrum. If it's an acute injury, it's much more tissue-related. It's much more mechanical, uh, something that was recent onset. And if it's more chronic, that person's more on the spectrum of uh, pain coming from a sensitive nervous system. That is, it's doing its job. Our, our nervous system's job is to protect us from injury or potential injury. And it does that by producing pain uh, as an output from from our brain. And that's where the the pain's all in your head. That's where that comes from is the fact that pain is actually an output of the, the brain, but it's it's there to protect us. It's a, it, it's a good thing we have it. And in these people who have pain for a really long time, it's trying to protect you from a perceived threat when it doesn't really need to. And, and it just needs to be, uh, the nervous system needs to be retrained to stop protecting you from this perceived threat that, that isn't necessarily there. Um, so uh, I kind of forget where I was going with that line of thought, but that that's kind of the gist behind explain pain. When, when, People get the misconception where we're saying it's all in your head. Um, it's easy to, to see how that that would uh, be the, the message you receive because of the fact that the, that idea that brain, uh, pain 100% of the time is an output of the brain. It's produced in the brain. Um, not it's, not it's, to say that there's not tissue damage. Exactly. So, so when you have tissue damage, there's a signal that goes from those tissues to your brain, but it's not a signal of pain because you can have, we mentioned this before, you can have tissue damage without pain. 
and you can have pain without tissue damage. A couple perfect examples. I've, I know people personally, they've, they've been walking through a construction site. They look back, and they have a, there's a red footprint, and they only realize at that time they stepped on a nail. Had no idea. So going back, and I didn't mean to interrupt you no, there, sorry. but it just completely <laughs> jogged my memory. Zach was trying to explain this to me once. We were at a restaurant having a couple beers, and we were just going just – uh, that's also how we found out how to do cupping. Yeah. Uh, that's another funny. There's a wine glass on my butt cheek. That's how we did cupping. Uh, but we were sitting there, and he was explaining, like, pain, like pain science. And I, I was asking him a bunch of questions. He goes, if you ran out there right now on on the boulevard, mm-hmm. and you that's snapped your ankle, and then there's a car, a tractor trailer coming uh, if, at you. If you're walking out, if you walk out of yeah, this explain building, that. It, it blew my. I was like, wait a second, what? So, so pain is perceived threat. It's not to say that you don't have tissue damage. If there's tissue damage, mm-hmm. tissue needs to heal. Yada yada yada. But what's connected to that tissue is this nerve, which is the pathway between your brain and and the tissue. Right. So if you sprain your ankle. It, it hurts, right? So if as you get up, you're limping on your ankle, you look and there's a car coming at you at 50 miles per hour, your ankle doesn't hurt anymore. You get out, you get you get out, out of the way. way the yeah. pain, uh, or out, out, of the, out of the way of the car. Um, so once you get out of the way and your nervous system kind of calms down, um, then that ankle pain starts to – It's your brain, your brain basically prioritizes – Which one's the bigger yeah. threat? So pain is pain – is, if I put my hand on a hot stove, could be helpful or could be yeah. hurtful. And I tell people if I do something to increase pain, which is not the goal, and people need to realize that that's not the goal. Um, if you're walking out of here and you're in more pain, then we need to have a conversation because that's not, that's never the intention. Um, but if you put your hand on a hot stove, you pull away because your brain says, "Hey, that hurts. Don't do that." That's your nervous system telling you not to put your hand there. But the analogy that they use is, the, and I think you're going to get there, is the nail, nail on the foot, and the, mm-hmm. and the electrical system and the alarm. And yeah, go and, ahead. and so what, what happens when there's you know true there's actual tissue damage? It excites a nerve, and a nerve sends a signal to the to the spinal cord. But the reason we don't really call that a pain fiber anymore it's 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 a nociceptive fiber and it's sending a danger signal Mm -hmm. the danger signal doesn't always produce you know the the brain does not always produce pain in response to a danger signal and there's a couple situations where this is the only way it even makes sense and one would be people who they'll step on a nail and they won't even know it until they see a red footprint um there are there are a lot of documented cases of people who are impaled by um, maybe they're driving behind a truck with pipes and one of the pipes comes and just Final impales them. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And and there are documented cases where these people don't have any pain at that moment because the brain the brain has chemicals twenty times stronger than any of our you know, the strongest pain medication out there. It can it can shut down pain if that's gonna be helpful for your survival. Um, conversely, you have a very common uh, phenomenon called phantom pain syndrome in people who have had amputations. Yeah. You know, if you have your left leg amputated there are people will say my left toe hurts it drives me crazy and and or i feel like my toes crossed over another toe yeah yeah which is weird and and uh this only makes sense that'd be so that'd be so frustrating oh frustrating because there's not a toe there for you to to treat you You know how do you you treat the tissues and and that's a situation where you can have pain without tissues being there and it's it's an illustration of how the the brain is still trying to protect from a perceived threat so it perceives that there is a uh, you know something wrong with the tissues of the toe, and it produces that to um, protect you. And it's it's the way the, the the way I put it is there are parts of our brain that are outside of our conscious. They're just those automatic parts that are that are running, 
it's the way they speak to the conscious part of our, our body. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a sensory cortex in our, our brain, and there's something called a homunculus, which is a, a word you can, you can look at, but homunculus is kind of like a... Sounds like Zach's nickname. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's just honk. <laughs> oh, honk, I'm the, sorry. The incredible Continue. homunculus, yeah. But, uh, Fred, I'm going to show you a picture of this because it's a cool picture. Yeah, Easy. and it's, it's kind of a, a representation of if, if our body parts were as big as the area that, is, that it represents on our sensory cortex, you know, we'd have like huge ears, huge, huge lips, and big feet, I think. <laughs> And big hands, hands yeah. and things like that. And so uh, it, that's involved in where, you know, when pain is produced, it's kind of produced in, in that virtual representation of our body. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, a, a way for our unconscious part of our brain to say, hey, pay attention to that that foot. Something yeah. dangerous just happened. I need you to pay attention to that. Um, and it produces pain there for your, for that reason. Wow, that's weird looking. So that's the homunculus. Yeah. yeah. And this is like mm-hmm. the idea. That's what we would look real. like. Yeah. yeah. If it was based off of... Pain. Yeah, pain. You gotta yeah. you gotta post that on Instagram. That's uh, not that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a very cool one. It's yeah. a, something really cool too. They they'll study. Um, that's a cool one. Musicians like violinists, and they'll they, they can actually kind of map it out in people. They they they're able to map out where this area is that corresponds to the fingers or the mm-hmm. hands or whatever. Um, and uh, and that's they this. they find that in people who are yeah there it is. There's another version of it where it's kind of laid on top of the brain. You can, yeah. you can see where the different body parts are, and it it's pretty consistent between people. But um, there, there are some variations, especially if if someone's a musician and they're using their their hands a lot, or maybe a a sculptor or something. They'll find that the parts of the the brain that are related to that that body part are much larger. Um, and so if that person has pain in that in that body part, a lot of times it's very severe because of the, the fact that it has a, a larger representation. But that that's just the the neuroscience. There's not that's not psychology. Can you train that? It's uh, yeah. I mean any like anything that you're doing. Our our nervous system is very plastic, very changeable and adaptable. And that's kind of where this that's the foundation for for explained pain. You can make these changes reverse. So if somebody has chronic pain, it can be reversible to an extent by taking away some of these negative thoughts, mm-hmm. retraining the nervous system that basically you have to show the nervous system that th- this um, this threat isn't there. You know, the, um, the things are, are safe. It's okay to move again. And that mm-hmm. happens gradually because yeah. if someone's been in pain for a long time and you have them go do a bunch of exercises and they hurt afterwards, that doesn't show the nervous system. Retention rate's going to be a lot lower at that point. Yeah, and it, it kind of retrains that um, – that pathological you know, neurologic pattern is, is that every time they move, they hurt. It just mm-hmm. strengthens that concept mm-hmm. that movement is dangerous. So to be able to, to show them movement as something that's not dangerous, it has to be first, it has to start with an understanding of kind of what we just explained here. This is how pain actually works. It, it's, it's an output of the brain to try to protect you um, from a perceived threat. And so um, it, it's a lot about graded exposure <laughs> after explaining, here's how, you know, the neuroscience of pain works in our body. Then you start to just grade gradually expose them to activity and that may be them going for a walk every day starting at 30 seconds and that might seem ridiculous they'll say i walk longer than 30 seconds to the grocery store from my car mm-hmm. um but it has to be that you got to start at this very very small rate they have to show them that you have to you win can, exactly you need a you win, to win. You, you need to see that hey i walked one lap around the track i didn't get a massive increase in pain two days later you come back you do a, lap, a little bit a lap and a quarter yep. Yep. and and every time that happens every time you get a win the nervous system starts to say hey you know that wasn't threatening is that the terminology they use like okay. get a win i that's, that's what I, I like i use that it's with all super my, simple yeah. i use it with all my patients if i'm doing something that's that seems like let's say you have a post-op acl who is doing a single leg balance right mm-hmm. and, and you're doing single leg balance and you, you you're trying to do a little bit more proprioceptive so 
you're throwing a ball to them or something like that, and, and they look at you and say, this is easy, right? And you're looking at their knee, and you see that they don't have very good proprioceptive control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'll tell them, hey, let's just win this. Like, let, let's win this mm-hmm. one. Let's be really good at this, and then I'll make – I promise you I'll make it harder, but right now is not the time. Mm-hmm. And then you look at – to take what you're saying into women's health, you, you get these women who for nine months had these distended abdomens. They're, they – pregnancy so often is is seen as some, like it's a traumatic event and it is labor labor is the traumatic Delivery, event yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but they, they might say things like i literally pushed this eight pound ball out of me and yeah i mean it can it can be exactly seen as 12 that pounds way. yeah actually i wasn't <laughs> but uh but it can be seen as that so as far as explain pain it's also a big thing because after birth okay baby's gone right so not not baby's born <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, baby's born, um, and then we start saying, "Okay, let's uh, let's get back to life. Like, let's start pushing to get back to life." And that doesn't that also doesn't mean please don't take it as saying, "Hey, don't be soft. Get out there and run an Ironman two days no, after your birth." No, but it means like, hey, yeah. let's, let's two, move. Hour, two hours after delivery, let's start. Yeah, truly. I, yeah, like, I, I, that's that soon. Yeah, we could start doing things two hours. That, mm, well. and, and that's the same that's the wow. same thing like post op so post op rehab right so a lot of times insurance insurances will make you i just had a rotator cuff repair i didn't but let's say a patient does and they come into you and they say okay well i need to come see you the way the system works now is you're going to come three times a week and i'm going to make you use that shoulder every single day well sometimes you'll start to overtrain that shoulder yeah and my buddy kyle Plus you don't know what they're doing at home correct and my buddy kyle balzer will be very big on saying you know ask that patient how much does your physical therapy look like training i have a patient right now who's post-op acl and she comes in here three days a week and when she comes here if you ask her do you do legs three days a week no it's not smart Uh, you know it's it's something that if you're training you know you don't you know, you don't typically do heavy squats. I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to max out on squats three days a week. You don't do that. You know, you might have a heavy day. You might have a moderate day. You might have a speed day, power yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah that kind of There's stuff. A ton so, of different ways to go. so as I have my ACL who can't do any type of plyometrics right now or anything like that. But she's on fire. Yeah. Like she looks phenomenal. Yeah. But you do, but you do a lot of, uh, you know, cross training and you come in and so you want to ask them how much, how much does your rehab look like training? Cause it should, um, a lot of people find my Instagram posts and that's how they get into me mm-hmm. is because they say, I'm not doing shit like that. You know, where I'm doing, I'm doing straight leg raises and stuff like that. And that's just a product of the system. Sure. Um, so speaking in women's health, whenever you say two hours after, hell yeah, let's start training. That doesn't mean we're going to go run. No, it mm-hmm. means you're laying there and you're contracting your pelvic floor yeah and, and, and that's let's... that's helping with a lot of things post-delivery and now as a pt i'm not going to be in there in the delivery room with you but that's where education comes in like the these um pregnancy and delivery nurses they need to know these things okay coach your patient everybody here knows what a kegel exercise is start i've been doing them this whole time yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've been I can tell by your face yeah, you. and that's that's what people think women's health is right like, hey i could do a kegel i, I don't need her no it's that's like saying that whenever you're like rehabbing your knee that you can just just contract the VMO, you know, like, no, it's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, that doesn't know? happen. That reminds yeah. me of, I, there was an orthopedic doctor I worked with in, in Bedford that he said sometimes he'd tell some some older people who, who don't really know about formal exercise or physical therapy. It's just not something they grew up with. And he'd say, I want you to go to some physical therapy. And they'd say something like, well, I, I don't need that. I walk to my mailbox every day and get my mail. Yeah. <laughs> like to them, yeah. there's no difference between PT and that. Exactly. Like, I, I do that. Yeah. I heard a... Uh, 
whenever you're talking about people don't need us, I, I, I forgive me. I think it was like a famous person that told the story, so they'll never hear this. But uh, there was a story about there was a, um, Picasso was sitting in like a cafe somewhere, and he was drawing on a napkin. He was he was old, ready to die, if you will. But anyway, he's sitting there drawing on a napkin. You're napkin. a hell of a storyteller. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and whenever he was done drawing on this napkin, he got up, took his coffee, took everything, and he threw everything away. Um, went to walk out of the building and somebody sitting there watching him jumped up and said, Hey, I, I want that napkin. I saw you drawing on it. And he walked in and he reached in the trash can, pulled back out the, uh, the, the napkin that he was drawing on. He said, I'll give it to you for $10,000. And she looked at him and said, you were just drawing on that napkin. It took you 10 minutes to do it. And, and he said, no, it took me 60 years to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And if you want it for 60 or $10,000, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that, you know, we one is rude, (laughs) (laughs) but, but it's something that like we spent a lot of time in school to learn all this stuff. Right. And, and it's, and it's, you know, that's, that's why we have a job doing what we do is because we're here to a lot of times. (laughs) There's Silas. He thought it was rude. Silas approved it. All right. Keep going. I'm going to get another. I, um, sometimes even doubt, you know, myself because, I have all of this knowledge and I and I'm interested in it so I'm constantly learning about it so I think everybody else knows it. Yeah. Like yeah, false. I feel exactly <laughs> like, no, you're not like, alone. I mean that yeah. because there's there's so much out there and, and Dan doesn't um, know much. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, in in rea- reality, I feel like it there's just so much more to learn. Cuz every time and you see someone doing something different than you, you wonder am I missing out on that right, or you know. Right. And so but. I actually needed the push to be like, "Hey, Taylor, people don't know about this. No. Women do not know about mm-hmm. this. Absolutely not. Um, I feel like all women know how to control their bodies and how when something's wrong. And but but rea- in reality, they don't. There are women in this gym who are like, "Oh, I didn't know that. I would wasn't supposed to be doing that." Like, yeah, no, you're not supposed to be doing that. You yeah. Know? So. Um, yeah, it's un- it's unbelievable what people don't know. Yeah, and, so and it's I also it's now. also unbelievable what people think they know and they don't know. <laughs> you know, they might Amen. come in and say, "Hey, I've been doing this a lot," and you're just kind of in 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 part of it. I, I want to help as much as I can, and whenever people come see me, I, I try to give them as much face time as I can, and and let me help you, let me lead you. It's it's as much as I need to make a living on my job here, and as much as I need to make you know money it's a business i'm here to help like i, I want to help people and i've and i i hope that i've given everybody a fair share of chatting with me and stuff like that but um you know at the same time it's it's kind of funny i also try not to get i don't want to be too involved just because i don't want people i'm just done chasing people i, I don't want to feel like I have you don't to, look like an ambulance chaser i i, yeah. I don't want to be the person that's mm-hmm. like Hey Taylor, how are you feeling today? You want to make an appointment? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. You know, I'd much rather you want to see me. So I try to be as supportive as I can. Well, the nice thing with you, it, everything that you, all your patients are like organic. Like you don't go out seeking. Mm-hmm. No, which you, you're at a point you don't need to. Which is which is perfect. I wanted to keep growing. I, I yeah. wanted to keep going. Which but, is why uh, we're here today. Yeah, I think it really speaks for itself though because. You're getting people better. Yeah, I and, mean, and, and it's and it's, it's results quick. driven. And, and yeah. I and I say all the time to surround my people, to surround myself by people that like. You can't. Is Taylor a women's health specialist yet? No, not yet. Will she be? Probably. Um, but it's one of those things that whenever you find somebody that has the drive to do it, that's the person you want to yeah, get in here. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. And with talk to any PT, if you see a patient and you can't figure something out. 
if you're a good PT, you're going to be humble enough to say, to you refer. know what, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I will figure that out for you. Right. And you will figure it out mm-hmm. until you can help that person. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Do and I know everything? No, and I never, ever will, but I will figure it out uh, for you. And, and then know? also being with Dan, Dan's entertainment value. <laughs> Dan and I Dan and I worked together for a number of years and we used to sabotage each other all the time. That was a fun game. Where where we'd walk by and there'd be a brand new patient sitting there and we'd be like Hey Dan, I know I know that you were in the last shoulder you stretched, so just be just be confident. You'll get this one. And then right. we'd like walk away. I'll work with one of Zach's patients after after he's off on vacation and I'll say, Hey Zach, I discharged that person. They said they're all they're better after <laughs> one session with me. I don't know what you were doing for the past several months. Yeah. But da- Dan uh Dan, I want to talk about McKenzie therapy. Okay. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who is he? Yeah. McKenzie, uh, RIP, yeah. Robin. Yeah, God, God rest his soul. Um, so it. Taylor, have you ever used McKenzie therapy in pediatrics? No. Do you know McKenzie therapy? I don't. I know it. I don't know much of it. Like, I don't. So a, a lot of what, what people know is unfortunately a, a misconception about it. And there, there's misconceptions that um, it's just. When someone walks in with back pain, you just immediately start doing. Well, uh, people think McKenzie is extension. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just a name. It's a name of an exercise. Yeah. You know, like that, you just interchangeably and it's take funny the name McKenzie and put it to press up, and, and that's that's it. Sometimes I feel guilty giving people chin tucks and press ups, but we're all we're all the same. Like we come from the same sitting background. I do feel like I was kind of taught in PT school, like McKenzie equals extension. That's pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we did have a, a general. We did have a you know like a week long course on McKenzie kind of but yeah it's not uh, not cover real extensively no. in PT school in fact we in my PT school all we the only exposure I ever had is we looked at it, one research article on McKenzie that just said about how their the previous classification system that they used wasn't um wasn't reliable between practitioners so and the thing I love about the McKenzie Institute they changed it so they didn't just say they didn't just try to say oh yeah well, well we'll ignore that research article and only look at the ones that that confirm us they said hey look at this this is the problem if this, if this isn't reliable it can't be valid so they changed it they changed the system until it was reliable mm-hmm. which is one thing I really like about it they um you know they're they're very much into the research and changing their um their ideas and their explanations of what they're doing based on what the research to, uh, is saying. And, and uh, just like a lot of different systems, they're also really incorporating the pain science into it too, into like, Hey, this is, this is probably what we're actually doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one, the one, one of the misconceptions is that if you're using McKenzie, you're treating a disc. Um, there, the truth is there's nothing about the McKenzie system that is based on an anatomical structure. It is, it's all based on, can we classify this person into one of the three mechanical pain syndromes? And at the end, you should have a diagnosis. Of a, it's a mechanical diagnosis, um, which the the tissue that you're actually affecting doesn't doesn't matter at all. Um, you could have three different therapists. One one thing. You know, so you have a patient with pain down their leg. You could have one therapist who thinks it's an SI joint. One therapist who thinks it's a facet joint, and one therapist who thinks it's a it's a disc. Um, and, and if you're going to do, and the problem with treating those things is that you can really pigeonhole yourself into exactly, okay. Well, let yeah. me do my SI joint. Test. I mean, yeah. not yeah, testing. Seriously. SI joint exercise. Exactly. And and what is that, anyways? Yeah. I mean, our, our treatments aren't as specific a lot of times as we really think they are. Yeah. You know, and so and that's um, that's why it's it's kind of a, an area to, to not even I don't worry about anymore. It's nearly as much as I used to, um, because it, at the end of the the thing that matters, the McKenzie system looks at what is your symptom or uh, your symptomatic or um, range of motion response to 
repeated movements. And it looks at that response and it diagnoses you or tries to classify you into one of these mechanical pain syndromes. And then the, the assessment becomes the treatment once you find what's called directional preference. So if we have these three therapists looking at the same patient at the same time, one's convinced it's SI, one's convinced it's disc, one's convinced it's a facet joint. If that person's pain centralizes, which means if the pain moves from the foot up out of the leg towards the back in response to whatever the motion is, most likely it's going to be extension. Um, so if, the, if, if it centralizes to the low back and it abolishes, once that patient stands up, um, it doesn't matter if one person thinks it's SI, one person thinks it's disc, one person thinks it's facet. The one thing we all have to agree on is that this person's pain just centralized with extension. So the exercise they're going to do is extension. Um, and the the research is on what's the response that shows the, the biggest uh, group of people who do get better. And centralization is one of those things that the McKenzie system really hinges on is if you find centralization, there's a 92% chance that person's going to rapidly resolve their, their symptoms. And the other nice thing about it is if they don't centralize, you can tell that person that it's probably not going to rapidly respond. So it's, it's very good uh, prognostic indicator of how rapidly they'll respond or whether they're going to respond to McKenzie or something else. Even so if they're centralizing, though, I think some people don't understand. It, the pain may be the same or even a little worse. Is that correct? Yeah, even, you can... Even uh, if it's centralizing. The in, low, in the low back, yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, it, if it moves from, from your foot up your leg and you, can, you say the, the pain in the center of your back is increased, um, that is a normal part of centralization. Right. Um, but I, if, if someone's pain stays in their foot and then their back pain increases, I wouldn't just say, oh, well, that's centralization. That's just kind of passing the buck to make right. it easy. You, you still have to do some searching. Right. Um, the, the reason it's, uh, it's confused with ex- or people just think it's extension is because about 80% of the people who have the derangement syndrome that respond uh, – to repeated loading, 80% of the people, it just happens to be extension. So that's why everyone just thinks, you know, when someone's on McKenzie and they see them on extension, most of the time it's going to be that. But they didn't go into that eval thinking, oh, this person has pain on the leg, it's going to be extension. Mm-hmm. They, they go in thinking, I don't know anything about this person. Uh, I need to sit down, take a really good history of symptom behavior based on their, their movements and their postures during the day. Then I'm going to move them and I'm going to look at the response. And that movement assessment where we do repeated movements, that kind of trumps anything, any preconceived notion you had before walking in that room. That movement assessment is going to end with a mechanical diagnosis, hopefully, or or the, um, they won't respond. Um, so I, I always like to use the analogy with uh, – with extension with McKenzie, it's kind of like if you, and no offense to any Leonard Skinner fans, this is just meant to be humorous. <laughs> if you go to a Leonard Skinner concert and you throw a rock into the crowd, you know, chances are you're going to hit somebody with a mullet. And it's not because you were, <laughs> you were aiming for a mullet. That was you. Yeah. yeah exactly. That was me. I threw that one. Sorry. You're not aiming for a mullet, but you know, the high proportion of the people there have, might have a mullet. And, uh, so with, <laughs> with, uh, well, we're definitely with, not getting any Leonard Skinner fans yeah, exactly. listening to this episode. There's nothing wrong with mullets either. Uh, it just, I'm just saying in, in certain populations, there's just a larger proportion of people who have a certain thing. So with, with sciatica or, or pain down the leg, most people respond to extension. Um, but the, I, I see the misconception show up too when someone says, well, I, I exhausted McKenzie. And when they say I exhausted McKenzie, they did one set of press-ups that didn't resolve the symptoms. And so they said, well, it's not McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had plenty of people that their pain doesn't change with extension or it worsens with extension. And we look at lateral forces and that person's able to completely abolish their pain. And, and, I, and I, I feel like that's a, a gift to somebody. If I can show someone how to um, take away their own pain with something they do to themselves... I had one today. Yeah, I had a lateral shift today down at the exactly. And that we means sponsored. Force. We sponsored the uh, Joshua House. Joshua House. St. Patrick's Day race. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I had a lateral shift today that I 
Yeah. That I reduced. The guy was feeling much better. Mm-hmm. Did you do it with Mackenzie? Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah a, I, it's a concept. It's yeah. Yeah. Mackenzie. Mackenzie yeah. to me is it's almost like a modality. It should be seen as such. Meaning you find a directional preference. They feel better, but there, there's still some. there's still some strengthening that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying core strengthening um, or anything like that, that, hey, we need to Which is also a broad term. It's a broad term. It's more of the graded exposure in this case. Exactly. Um, It turns turns into what what McKenzie, people that have McKenzie-like issues are really big for fear avoidance because typically if you have back pain, if you've ever had back pain that radiates down your leg, you, that that's a pretty significant injury and people are pretty debilitated so you'll hear a lot of i will never pick up that bag on my right arm again mm-hmm. and it's kind of like well that's not that's not fair like you did it one time i'll never do it again and it's kind of like all right well, let's figure this out so typically mckenzie is one of those people that that once you reduce the symptoms or whatnot then you got to find out okay what's breaking down here what's what can we make you better at doing is it, you can't squat and pick up that bag well then let's make you better at that thing um, but it's kind of marrying McKenzie with functional movement with with SFMA if you will I think that's a great thing that you went to which mm-hmm. is a very functional way of looking at movement it's 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 pretty exhaustive um, it is it takes it takes a while to do the the assessment and I, I will say um, even the McKenzie um, instructors the the people that really know the McKenzie system they, there's the there's a category of other you know so there's the three main mechanical syndromes that you if you classify them you use McKenzie system but there's also one called other that's somebody who doesn't he doesn't fit into one of those syndromes. And so the, the even the McKenzie instructors, they're not saying go to McKenzie on every single patient. They're saying everyone deserves a mechanical assessment because if they fall into one of these three syndromes, you can treat them rapidly and help them get better. Uh, but there is this huge category called other. It's someone who doesn't show that response. And they're they're all for SFMA. I mean, they, they talk about it in podcasts that you you got to just do something else. They're not going to respond to those those specific exercises, and so you, you go elsewhere like SFMA. And in the training whatever. world, it's almost like FMS. There's some people Similar. That, there's some people that hate FMS. Um, yeah. Because they think that people will treat, will like trainers will give programs that are kind of like, well, FMS says this, so this is your problem. And, and FMS should be used as a functional, see what your functional capacity is. Let's see you Let's see you step. Let's see you squat. Let's see you lunge. Let's see you do that kind of stuff. And then whenever I see where your your biomechanics break down, then you create a program to help them with those things. It's right. not. It's not. Hey, this is the the end all be all. We're going to go here. And, and Dan will even tell you he's a big research guy, but he'll even tell you that you know sometimes you go away from research. And 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 this and not this everyone's going to fit in that schematic. So so this is working. This really weird thing. I had a guy doing a nerve glide one time. Um, a lot of times people think McKenzie is you can never bend forward again because it's extension based and that's false. Um, but I had this guy who had sciatic nerve pain and the only way we could get rid of it was lock his knee out, which most people don't want you to lock your knee out doing anything and do like a single leg good morning, um, with his knee completely locked out. He did 15 repetitions of sciatic pain went away. Um, and it's it, McKenzie would just call that a, a flexion, yeah. flexion based directional preference. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, and you won't find that, that, nerve mobilization in any type of research that i know of where you have him you know stand and bend over and and his pain went away and it it didn't return and that and that's a a really important thing that you you brought up like that wasn't following any kind of system except for there's one overarching system that i I really like which you you guys use it in ocs a lot um 
I learned it in the McKenzie courses is you, you find some kind of baseline, whether it's pain at rest or pain with a certain movement, you do a intervention and then you reassess that you, you call it an asterisk sign. Right. You, you reassess that asterisk sign. If you make a significant difference in that asterisk sign, that's the treatment you should use because what you're doing is you're showing that per, you're giving that person confidence to move again. So if you, if you do that, that nerve glide and he has less pain and then you go do some, some deadlifts or some squats and you show that person movement without pain again, that's that's what it's all about. No matter whether you're using dry needling, have you ever heard whatever. of an asterisk sign? Asterisk sign is whenever it's the best way to test orthopedic injuries because I know that whenever you come out of a pediatric background that's that's early intervention, they're not having full conversations with you. It's kind of play and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, an asterisk sign is something I learned in orthopedic. My OCS is that somebody comes in here, my back really hurts. Okay, well, in your in your eval process, and I have a very specific eval process, very specific that I use, and it's kind of you find out things that make it worse. And and typically by the end of my eval, I have a ninety percent of the time I have an idea of okay, this is what's going on. But let's say every time I sit down, every time I tie my shoes, every time I pick something up, my back hurts. Okay. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is a flexion based person who, who every time they bend forward, they have back pain. So I get them up and I might have them do something that I know is going to elicit pain and pain tells me something. I make sure people know that, Hey, sometimes pain's not a bad thing. It tells me something. And then so that's that's your asterisk. You're not good at this. This range of motion is limited. This strength is limited. This reflex, whatever it may be, that's your asterisk. And then you and I do something. So we're going to do some press-ups. We're going to do some hip internal internal rosi- rotation. Thank you. Um, <laughs> mulligan mobilizations. Um, we're going to do some of that kind of stuff or whatever I think is going to work. And then we retest that thing. And if And if that thing is better, we assume that the only thing we've done between then and now is that thing. So then we say, okay, this is what I think is going to help you. Um, and that's kind of what you what you base your exercise program on. Yeah. Um, if you come up for that and it's no different, I assume that what I just did did nothing for you. Mm-hmm. So that's out. Or if, if you come up and, oh, no, it feels worse, oh, we're done doing that. Right. And then if I find out that every time you do a, a uh, press-up, and you do an extension-based activity, it makes your pain worse, that might lead me to say, okay, then I'm going to try to limit the amount of extension-based activity that I do right now. Right. And I'm going to try to stay in a neutral pelvis. I'm going to try to stay, and I'm going to try to teach more of a motor programming and, and how to control that isometric control whenever you're, stra- you're, you're bracing or whatever, TA breathing and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's what that's what he's kind of referring to whenever he talks about that. Yeah. Another word is just a baseline, yeah, right. a functional baseline, right. a pain baseline. And it, it's probably the most specific thing that like, whatever is the worst thing for them that you can really have that uh, um, that most chance of seeing some kind of change in. You know, if, if someone says, I have a 1 out of 10 pain in my hip and, and you change that, um, sometimes just moving in general changes. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that treatment is going to be all that effective for them. But if then they say, I have 10 out of 10 when I pick up, I pick something up off the floor, your assessment should involve them picking something off the floor and then you do an intervention uh, and then look at them doing that exact same task in the exact same way so that you can then have just, it, it increases your certainty that you're doing something beneficial for them as opposed to just kind of trying to guess and think, oh, I hope this works after a while. Like that, that was the, the one thing that really appealed to me about the McKenzie system is that was the first time I was introduced to that way of actually assessing somebody. 
and and like I, I like the feeling of knowing with more certainty that this is something that's going to benefit this person. And that, that should be the same whether you're using, like I said, instrument-assisted soft tissue massage like the scraping or dry needling. There, there should always be some kind of functional baseline or painful baseline that you're trying to change right in that session. And it's also your buy-in. Exactly. It's, it's it, also your buy-in that people see that and they say, okay, this is going to make me better. Yeah. And it makes them more confident in you as a therapist for sure. There's a lot of similarities this entire time that I've been kind of going back and forth in my brain about I'm not a therapist, but as far as like coaching or like finding, you should be doing the same stuff. Oh, it's, it's, it, it, I feel like I already am. It's so similar. Like even like the nocebo and like everything that we've been talking about, there's just so many similarities. I mean, it's a different modality, but the end goal is the same. You want to get somebody from A to B. So the sit like the the processes of that are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. So and even like, if it's just technique oriented, like the fear avoidance and stuff, and I'm I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but like as soon as they learn that that technique, and every time they try that technique, it doesn't work. They're the the chances of them improving are so drastically lowered. Then you kind of have to work like, oh, well, let's try it this way. And they're once they make that connect, it's, it's crazy. Just I've been sitting back and just listening. I'm like, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's a different, it's a different thing, but the principles are all the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason why we're going to be the, the, the best facility in central PA is because what should happen is whenever people finish with, with us, you know what I mean? When, whenever mm-hmm. we get people back to health and then we, and then we introduce them back into the gym is they shouldn't know where Taylor ends and you begin. You know, right. they should know where I am. When you when they get there they should we should speak the same language. I know people are excited about this podcast. Yeah, which which is why which is why number because one we want to do the podcast. Right. And which is why I have a big desire in, in getting people like Danny and, and Taylor and and that kind of stuff and which is and which is why I want to spend some time in the future saying, Hey guys, if you get a good article, let's review it. Yeah. You know, let's go over it. I don't care if it's women's health, I don't care what it is, let's all have an understanding. And the, and of the cool it. thing for, for us, um, from my side is even though we're not technically together, like we're not one business, right. um, I know everybody that comes to the gym that knows that you guys are here feels so much more comfortable like going through these types of exercises, these classes, because they know God forbid something were to happen, they're in good hands. Well, and just I just think that what was that a, a couple Saturdays ago? Oh yeah, we had we had a individual, like, yeah. uh, no history of any knee problems, jump down there doing box jumps, jump down off a box. And I know Taylor Taylor was here doing an assessment on another person, and I just and then I was like, hey Taylor, could do you mind for a second just coming out? And <clears throat> excuse me, nothing bad happened. She just heard. She, I'm pretty sure it was just like. Uh, I think it was like an IT band. Yeah, just something snapping. slid. Yeah, something, yeah, something snapped, but she she heard a pop in her knee, and obviously she hears. she panicked. Did yeah. I say that she <laughs> heard? Sorry, she heard a uh, pop in her knee, and she was freaking out. So uh, rightfully so. I mean, I'm sure that was a scary situation for her. But Taylor came out and immediately was like, "You're fine." Like everything, and everything she went is good. Back to the workout. And mm-hmm. two minutes later, yeah, she's she back on good. back on the box. So and without even knowing it, you were doing pain neuroscience education right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> what you did? Uh, what is it? Lockman's test. I did, an, I did an anterior drawer. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Lock, yeah Lockman's is is tough to do, especially uh, with, small, with small little hands. Yeah. Was, you know. Yeah. It's and it's something, but with her athletic training background, there's a lot of times she ran right. She got down one knee. She looked very much like she should have had like the weight, the belt on with all like the. the you mean you mean my fanny? Pack. Yeah, your yeah. fanny pack. Yeah, there's times where I still uh, have my fanny pack. There's times I where have fanny pack. If I have somebody who has a real issue, I might tell them, "Hey, meet me in there at twelve o'clock. I know Jesse Glass is going to be there." Right. And then I said, "Jesse, come test this," because they do it routinely. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so it's that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool that we're going to have that because I know very little about Olympic weightlifting. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you have so many people out there, people maybe coming to me that are doing that. And, and I've like, okay, I know very little about women's health and a lot of PT uh, stuff. So yeah. it's a perfect match. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we can kind of brainstorm together and, and look at people from both perspectives. And Fred and I have always had a good marriage. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. He he walked into the gym yesterday, and one of uh, one of the parents is like, "Oh, look, your wife's here." Oh, and I was like, "Where's Pam?" And he's like, "No, the big one." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> Zach's here, okay, <laughs> yeah. the big one, the big one." <laughs> so, but no, I I think uh, I think there's a lot of cool things on the horizon here for us. I yeah. mean, seminar. I mean, I just there's so many things like uh, running through my brain, and I know Zach and I have talked. Same. So I think uh, yeah, it's funny. we're so, doing it for you guys. That's so Kyle Balzer, if you're listening and you remember how excited I was to do this and I called you and texted you a thousand times a day, Taylor's starting to get that bug here because she's uh, getting a lot of interest in women's health and Danny's had that bug where they're oh, no, calling you me. Sick? Yeah. <laughs> they've called me and say, hey, how do I do this? Because it's different. It's 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 exciting. It's oh, it's exciting. super exciting. And, I, and like I said, I think we're a little bit ahead of the game and I think that – as time goes and people start, Altoon is growing. Um, believe it or not, Altoon is growing. More stuff's coming in here. And uh, it's as it continues to grow, I think people are going to start maybe, hopefully, put a little bit more interest in their health and, and getting help and understanding that, you know, the, the way we work doesn't have to be three times a week. Right. Um, we're kind of breaking the mold of That's the old physical therapy and trying to make it more functional for people. The one thing I like and I can see already is that you're, you're breaking the mold, but you're setting the bar super high. Yeah. Which is, which like it, you're not going into it just haphazardly. Like you guys are actually doing the, spending the time and the, the energy and the resources and making sure that this, this is happening the best way possible to see the, the maximum result for people. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to go a long way. Um, for us, from the gym point of view, too, but also from you guys from a business standpoint. So, Taylor, how do I, with all this women's health stuff, how does somebody listening see what the hell you're doing? Where, do you got Instagram? Do you got Facebook? She does. I it? actually pulled it up because she's got a couple. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. well, I, I don't really post much about it on my Instagram. Well, guess what? But I may be starting yeah, it's to time. do that. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Um, and with Taylor, which is this, funny. And Taylor, this is very – with her coming in here, literally last week I texted her and said, hey, do you mind if I post something on social media about women's health? Just because she was telling me she was getting a lot of interest in it. Mm-hmm. And she's actually, all truth be told, still finishing up, like, the legality part. Dan sure. literally – just went through that headache of yeah. trying to get an LLC and trying to get your EIN number. Mm-hmm. And I'm so about like two weeks away, I yeah. think, at this point. Yeah, until I can really start to. And, and Zach's been a good resource. I, I yeah. didn't, you know, as far as uh, your liability insurance and um, like merchant services. People think sure. it's a lot more complicated than it is. You just need to know. Well, and also uh, the there's. Steps to take. Yeah, you just need to know steps. Another it's funny, not hard. Another funny thing. There's legalities to this. I uh-huh. mean, you, you can't just open up a shop and say, okay, I'm going to start seeing patients. There's. Yeah. Unfortunately, there there's some rules against Medicare and and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But like that's going to be the thing going forward, where people there's some legalities to it, and and hopefully Kyle Balzer did more than enough to help me get this started, and I still lean on him heavily. It should be called Balzer's Physical Therapy B. Yeah. What is that? BPT. No Halsers. Halsers. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm just trying to repay it for because I know that he spent very uh, a lot of painful conversations with me, and I've had zero painful conversations with these guys yet because they're ahead of me. <laughs> but uh, 
But anyway, Taylor finally just snuck in that singer at the last second. No, but yeah, um, I'll probably hijack your Facebook page a little bit now and start to post some informative things. Yeah, 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 cool. And then we'll kind of uh, once it's time to schedule, and you guys want to come in, and we'll get you the numbers and we're still yeah. Yeah, we need to we need to sit down and set a date for a seminar because I think that I think that'd be huge. Yeah, I think that'd be very especially. I think we have four, maybe five, and obviously it's not just pregnant women but i mean something that they can be like oh hey this is something and first time mothers like oh this i probably didn't realize you could do this right away yeah so and i think a lot of women are scared to keep working out during pregnancy and you should not be you need to kelsey randolph not scared is not scared (laughs) actually in here there are more women not scared maybe we need to tone it down (laughs) yeah not necessarily her i don't know what she's doing or not doing but i just Uh, said a pr yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, but she did that with she's she did that with the first she yeah she's, she's yeah. that's the second time we've talked about her. There she's are a beast. some unicorns right. out there. That's right. She just made she's one of them. special yeah. snowflakes. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that earlier. And what about Dan? How do we get a hold of you? Ah, no well, cares. real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to find just Taylor on Instagram, it's Mrs. Underscore Not Simdy. Edmondson backwards. backwards. Yeah, which I I literally was like, what the hell? If you want to see cute pictures of my kids, that's yeah. pretty much mm-hmm. where you're at. Yeah, I, which I they are. Uh, start to you, you should put on there. Sprinkle like, in some women's health stuff here and there, yeah, and, I guess. And, and, I, and I have that uh, repost app, so I'll steal them and repost them on my okay. thing, too. Right. And then Danny. Danny is uh, dp.t Yes, not Danny. Not Danny. With I, I usually go by Dan. Yeah. That's why it's at. Um, or Danny Raps. But I'm, I'm on Facebook, too. Yeah. Uh, Dan Replogle. You can send me a message on either. Either platform. Yeah, or you'll be able to see them here yeah, at Dan, Physical Dan, Therapy here soon. Dan's seeing patients as well. Um, we're, we're just trying to keep running. And, uh, you know, something something that shouldn't be overlooked is I know that, uh, you know, Dan and I work at a place right now, and, and the guy that's our supervisor and just a – I mean, it's already – I just kind of outed him. But the, the, guy, <laughs> the guy that helps us a lot, he's, he's the man. And uh, really appreciate him – letting us do this and yeah kind of it's we, a different business it is and we bust our butt for him too i mean we we make sure we see our everything that we need to see and it's it's pretty cool but uh yeah we, we uh are in a pretty cool situation where we have an opportunity to start something really cool and uh if you need us stop us talk to us email us emails are always free um phone calls are always free um but don't you know that's we want to be approachable so please don't hesitate to we're, we're better than a Google search. Yeah, we're, we're a little yeah. better than that. So. Yeah. It depends so, on what you're searching, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. <laughs> in in terms of physical therapy, okay. I, mean, I can't okay, say with, with a. Yeah, topic. don't check WebMD if your elbow is dislocated. Yeah, yeah check, call somebody. Check Holman yeah. PT. Come see, come see one of these first. three. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes I Google search it for you. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think we're about to wrap it up, guys. Any last words? Anything? No, I think nice. yeah. No, thanks for having we us. We appreciate a ton. Uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, that's Dan, it. We'll see you next Dan, time. Dan, do you want to do the outro music? <laughs> I'm good. I'll let you go. I heard you have a voice like Fergie and Jesus. Dude, they lied. <laughs> they lied. <laughs> okay. Zach, people haven't heard you talk enough. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I've been. I actually, I wish oh, I had a counter. Uh, we've been going for a minute, or yeah, a minute, an hour forty nine. Zach spoke for about an hour forty seven. <laughs> so we have another one coming. Yeah, too. we have another one right after this. So thanks again, guys. Uh, Thank you guys. We'll see you again. Thanks. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 